episode of Rank and Review. You have found another special episode, in fact the first of a three-part episode in which myself, Mr. Lee Beckman, and Mr. Jason Dubray are going to rank the top 30 movies from 2000 to 2009, the best of the naughties. I am as always your host and random Canadian Larry Parsons and I should warn you in advance that there will be some coarse language there will be some spoilers, and there will be a lot of movie talking going on, so be prepared for that. As always, I am your host and Ronald Kay and Larry Parsons. Please send your feedback to rankinreview at gmail.com. That's R-A-N-K-N-R-E-V-I-E-W at gmail.com. The website is rankinreview.ca, and if you would like to support a fellow local podcast to me called The Terror Table, I think they're really good, and I think they deserve your ears. It's a big episode, and it's the first of three, so I'm not going to bore you with a long introduction. Let's get to it. Welcome to the best of the 2000s. In this first edition of our ranks, we're going to be discussing basically our ranks from 30 to 21, and we are going to do a full-length review of the Lars von Trier's film Antichrist and Jeepers Creepers. So, uh... Enjoy. Jason Dubray, Lee Beckman. Yep. It's going to be a long day. <laughs> I hope you guys are comfortable. I hope everybody's dug in. Um, we're going to be discussing the top 30 horror movies of the Naughties. All three of us have our own list. Yep. And we're going to be reviewing six films that every one of us picked two of the selections that we're going to be reviewed over this, this however long it takes us to get this done. <laughs> Jason, you and I discussed the 1900s, and Lee and I have discussed the 1970s and the 1980s. Yep. And I do think that each decade does very much have their own distinct kind of feel and mm-hmm. flavor. Yep. There's not an exception here. This, uh, the, the naughties, as I'm calling them, uh, yeah. were very much, they had a much harder edge than the 90s. Yes. Yeah. And I feel like the horror came back. There's a real sense of nihilism. And even the horror movies that, ha- that were kind of fun, and you've mentioned this, they were, they're going to appear sort of like low on the list. This, uh, this is when it went horror really, really, really hit that primordial nerve. 
especially in the states like, like over Europe we, we see it too with like the what I would call the French new wave of horror the French extreme <laughs> happened that's yeah. for sure yeah but uh, torture porn which had been sort of existing yeah. more over in Asia and in Europe really reared its ugly head in North America and it's hard to say if it's that the snapback from the scream phenomenon where yeah. everything was winking and fun and meta you yeah. talked about that with the 90s yeah. show yeah. yeah or was it uh, as often said just a reflection of the the zeitgeist in history post 9-11 right 9-11 uh, we're living changed. in the wake of a tragedy so yeah. uh, these stories somehow hit home more yeah I feel like it, with comedy and horror they both took on a real edge that hadn't happened for, for a while, a while. Yeah. and because I've noticed, like the last however many podcasts, you're constantly balancing the very politically correct world we're living in, uh, and it seems to me that that was the other end of the spectrum. It went back to kind of the ninety or the eighties idea, which was just anything goes to be shocking, and violence against women is perfectly okay. But in a much nastier way, I think, than the Friday the 13th movies or the, like, the 80s were kind of cartoonish and fun. Like this was this is real visceral hate. And I don't know if it was hate for women or if they just thought that this was. Uh... I, well, I, I have to think it's less about. I mean, well, men get I killed, too. in these. I can't defend. There is misogyny, of course. But mm-hmm. I, I, I think that we were identifying with suffering because we were suffering mm-hmm. more we were a little bit closer to that pain yeah. uh, and uh, I don't know what the catharsis is about witnessing other people going through it but I think you can connect more to it when you're in a, a less happy place mentally yeah. and but has that led us to this place where everybody's been offended now oh, because nobody look, was offended and look, now look I, I, think, I think it's a couple of things that have led to this I, and I don't really think it has to do with the horror genre for me, let's, well, comedy too. I'm, I'm throwing yeah, comedy yeah. out there because um, anything I, went in that I, decade. I think for me, two things really sort of rocked, and I'm thinking here North American, not sort of Eurocentric here. Well, yeah. maybe Eurocentric, um, but obviously 9/11 changed a lot of things for North America. Yeah. Like this is the second time that um, uh, America had been attacked on their native soil. The mm-hmm. first time was Pearl Harbor, and yep. even that was sort of away from the giant landmass that is North America, where 9-11, you know, that was the Twin Towers. That, that, that really created a huge sense of paranoia. And it's almost dismissive to just say America, because I yeah. think we felt it in Canada. Too. Yeah. Oh, I remember... Oh, yeah. I was in Australia at the time, and... Yeah. No, no. Yeah, no, no. Was, like, The culture went through a period of mourning, like, yeah. and shock. Yeah, like like just generally, you could tell, you could feel it and taste it in the air. Something yeah. terrible had happened, and things were changing for the worse. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, here's something that we that we saw on live television. Even though, like in the '70s, they saw real live death and human bodies being carried home. I still remember to this day the images of people jumping from that burning yeah. building, and we're actually seeing them die live. on live television. And there was something that we couldn't go back from. No. You can still go on YouTube and, and see these sequences of people making that decision. Am I going to burn to death mm-hmm. or am I just going to fall to my death and have like a second of whatever before I go into the great abyss? Yeah. And there was something where the innocence was off. Yeah. A similar thing happened with the Vietnam War. 
Yeah. Because yeah. horror movies were kind of uh, overdressed period pieces, the big Ed Gruder Allen Poe adaptations that Roger Corman were doing and things mm-hmm, like yeah. that. And then as they got deeper into the Vietnam War, things started getting pretty fucking dark. Yeah. Hell's yeah. Eyes, Texas yeah. Chainsaw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of a sudden, all of the artifice was starting to be stripped away. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this is horror, you guys. Yeah. This is horror. Yeah, they were they were they were outside of the mainstream, and I feel like this now this became mainstream. the mainstream in the I call them the two thousands. Yeah, but, but, the, but a lot of these movies weren't funded and released by major studios as well. So and it was less about the embracing of the dark subject matter as yeah. the fact that the movies were making money. So let's yeah. make more. Yeah, them. yeah, I guess. But yeah. the other that's what thing comes that, down to. But yeah. the other thing that really I think shocked people. Uh, and I think horror did tap onto this, and it did happen later in the decade, was the 2008 financial crisis. Yeah. And that was also, you know, and it, and it was scaffold from the 9-11. I mean, Osama bin Laden got what he wanted. He, he wanted, did everything he said he was going to he do. He wanted America yep. to go so hugely in debt, hunting him down, <laughs> and he accomplished that tenfold. So those two things really were put the end to the American empire. So it got harder to enjoy the wink, wink, nudge, nudge yeah. comedy of the yeah. sort of screamed, accented horror movies because yeah. death wasn't funny, and even making it meta, you know, a death should never be a punchline. All of a sudden, yes, um, that was just a change. Uh, I don't mind movies that wink. I don't mind horror movies that have a sense of humor. In fact, I'm quite for them. But I also appreciate a horror movie that takes itself seriously, and mm-hmm. that's what started to happen in the noughties. Yep. Horror movies started taking themselves seriously again. And sort of like I said to you when I was talking about the Blair Witch Project, where it had been a while, where the population had seen a genuinely frightening movie, yep. that started to happen, and people were showing up for it. Yep. So... It turns out that this was one of the hardest ranks that we've done decade by decade. Oh, I, I would have thought this was oh, difficult. Oh, yes, I would have thought oh, there was so the, much material out there. You're going to mention movies that I haven't seen. Probably. I just know, I, and there are some that I, I mean, I, I went to a lot of trouble to track down some movies that I, I mean, I just missed in, yeah. in theaters. And yeah. our now we're in a world where it's very difficult to get certain. DVDs yeah. or even streaming options, yeah. and so no, like uh, we've all talked about this that there's going to be at least one or two selections on our list where we're going to go, ooh, I'm an idiot and I missed this. I could have yeah. done a top 100. Yeah, without a. We're doing. I, I think so. I think we, we did a top yeah. 30. I could have comfortably mm-hmm. done a top 100. Yeah, I thought yeah. I'd like, feel comfortable, <laughs> even though we'd be here for two weeks. But <laughs> when I was doing the 80s, I thought this will be the toppest list. And no, I think that the Nazis has been the toughest yeah, no. top 30 that I've ever had I to agree. do. And that is a compliment to the decade, by the way. Yeah. yeah. Yes, yes. Full disclosure, as we do our list, right. I, I, I think, because you two are horror movie aficionados. Okay. I, not I, I, the horror I mean, you aren't, yeah, I mean, I'm not, it's not John Carpenter and, okay. uh, and Wes Craven here, but I'm just saying, you know your stuff. Yeah. And beyond just, like, what the Hollywood system um, will, will pump out week after week. I really, really like horror movies, but I, I, I'm challenged being on this podcast to broaden my tastes a little right. bit more. Okay. My weaknesses are, I, I would say, like a creature feature like Tremors, yeah. where I get a lot of entertainment out of it. I get some laughs, but I'm not all that frightened by it. Right. And that's why it, I didn't even consider it. And I, I, I felt so horrible because it was such a personal <laughs> film for you. But I yeah. I was well, just so shocked. Well, and, but then I heard, like, I'm... I. Again, there are more people on your side of the Tremors 
arguments. Well, I, I realize that I like it more than anyone else, but again. But I like some of the sequels. We've talked about Tremors <laughs> yeah. movies. I went back and watched all the Tremors movies to prepare for Tremors... Six or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah six, <laughs> yeah. one in Africa or whatever. And um, uh, I actually was surprised how much I enjoyed even some of the like straight-to-video well, but that's a weakness. The other one is horror or comedy, because I, I I just find it's not horrific enough. I think I, it leans too much on the comedy. So th- there's a, a very very important movie on this list that I Left I out. no I didn't leave it out. It's on there, but it's not as high as I initially thought it would oh, be. Well, I'm so. I think you're you're wearing over nothing. Yeah. Let's bring it yes. back to the naughties. Yes. Um, yeah. Naughties. Naughties. Everybody here in this room picked two movies to review. Yep. So what I would like to do is just pass it to each of you. I want okay. you to say the movies you picked and why. Okay. Okay. Mr. Beckman. Well, I chose uh, Jeepers Creepers uh, mostly because I, I do think it's it, it created a monster that is part of this decade decade that should be mentioned the same as the Universal monsters and even of the same ilk as Freddy vs. Jason. Uh, the film also has a lot of loving nods to other past suspense and horror films. But but also, I do think the creator himself, writer-director Victor Salva, is a very interesting man. And I do think he is exercising some of his own personal demons in this movie. Well, your love is deep for this movie. Yeah. Like I remember you talking about it all the time when it first came out. Yeah. You've been on the Terror Table podcast yeah. talking about it. Yeah. And when given... Carte Blanche, basically, to pick a movie from the naughties. You wanted yeah. to talk about it again. So, yeah. your love is real for Jeepers Creepers. Yeah, so. I understand why people are like, meh, because mm-hmm. um, it's got its problems. But it's fascinating enough that leaving it off this list, I think, would be a slight tragedy. So, there, uh, Jeepers Creepers 1. I don't want to mention talk about it too much because we will talk mm-hmm. about it openly. But that is one of them. And the other one is, I think, any list that doesn't have a Sam Raimi movie, <laughs> a horror movie <laughs> list that doesn't have a Sam. Uh, Raimi on its list is is missing something, and I and I'm gonna come out and say this. I think Drag Me to Hell is a far scarier film than Evil Dead Two. I didn't say better. You said I, I just said scarier. Okay. Um, I think it brings the goods. Um, I I can't believe it's PG thirteen. That's something else I will talk about. Um, but Drag <laughs> Me to Hell is Sam Raimi back in his. Uh, Backyard, and I think we should celebrate that. It would have been probably R in the eighties. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just things yeah. kind of changed with the rating system in the. To be continued on that discussion. Yeah, 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 yeah. for yeah. sure. Yeah. Uh, Jason. Yeah, so uh, I wanted because I am a little bit of a sucker for the the small condensed, uh, you know, little horror movie that that could. Uh, Bill Paxton's Frailty is why I, I chose that. It, it was one of these. I think it was a spring release. It didn't get a whole lot of attention. I'm not sure it has much of a legacy. Uh, uh, frailty just did not get the attention and it isn't mentioned as, a lot, as much. And I wanted to highlight a movie that um, was in that decade and isn't thought of as the most obvious horror movies. It certainly and, doesn't bubble to the top no, of your mind. Right no. away. Yeah. And the other thing is just the late, great. Bill Paxton, I wanted to honor him, and he was a hell of a director, and I'm not sure he directed that much. No. And I, I saw the, the possibility in that. I watched it again last night, and there's just so many details and so so much stuff he did. It wasn't just, I'm a star, and I'm going to get my production crew to do everything. Yeah. There's a real style to it that's uh, that's something else. Um, and then the other one, just because it's, it's so out there, so controversial... Uh, Lars von Trier's Antichrist, um, which uh, 
again, revisiting it, it hasn't lost any of its shock. It's, no, it's it, definitely provocative. It's provocative. I think else, we're going to have quite a conversation about if it. If nothing else, yeah. it is provocative. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay, and uh, I picked two very left-field selections. Yes, you <laughs> I wanted, did. Like, full, full confession, like I said, only one of the movies we're going to review actually made my list. <coughs> but I wanted to talk about the movie Constantine because I think like, like there's a lot of hate thrown at Constantine. Like, it's got a really hated reputation. Mm. And I think there's a lot worse movies than Constantine. And I also think it's fairly emblematic of what a lot of horror movies looked and felt like in the early aughts, mm-hmm. which is what we're here to talk about. Yeah. Okay. The other one is The Mothman Prophecies, which I felt like for the longest time I was the only person that liked it, but I do, and I was looking around, there is sort of a little bit of a cult crowd starting to form around it these days. Yeah. But it's kind of a movie about mystery, and it's counterintuitive. It's a horror movie starring Richard Gere, which you don't run, run into very often. Yeah. And uh, I get it. I understand, again, much like Constantine, why a lot of people found it impenetrable. But I think there's an interesting conversation to be had, and I wanted to have it. So yep. here we are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. A hallelujah, brother. discuss the top 30 horror movies of the noughties. Yeah. Lee Beckman, what ranked in 30th position and why? So, for the first time in ranking review history that I've, I've ever been on the show, I've done a time. And this is also a guilty pleasure, guilty pleasure excuse me, so you can take out the, the forks and knives if you wish. But at number 30, I do have a tie, and that is number one is Frankenfish. <laughs> Frankenfish is a silly, silly, silly monster movie, but it also plays with the monster movie slasher conventions when it comes to its red shirts. Uh, people that we think, like our lead character that, you know, was going to survive does not. Um, it's also... Spoilers. Yeah, spoilers. <laughs> it's also from the director of the Spawn movie, which is <laughs> terrible. Yeah. And it does suffer from CGI fish. It's also mercifully short, but I found it incredibly fun. I think it's a better movie than Beneath, which we also that I also love. It's silly, silly, silly. Whenever I see it, I have a great time with it. It's dumb, but also considering how good the movies are on it, I just I, I couldn't I couldn't do it. <laughs> it was just I love this movie so much. So I have the monster movie Frankenfish along with the dark, 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 dark comedy Black Sheep. <laughs> this movie is ridiculous and uh, but it gave me something that I didn't know I always wanted and that was sheep fucking <laughs> zombie sheep <laughs> zombie sheep fucking have you seen black sheep or I have seen neither of these movies so that's what I was afraid of <laughs> yeah, is, uh, they're both they're both incredibly stupid I, I've heard of one but I haven't heard of the other amazingly a lot of fun <laughs> yeah uh, and yeah well, I think I'm just gonna start right down at <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. movie list well here's yeah. the thing yeah. what Lee's talking about here are two movies that have uh, low budgets but big hearts. Yeah, I think because Weta got involved with Black Sheep, the effects are considerably better in Black Sheep. Yeah, <laughs> but it is as ridiculous as it sounds. It's yeah. zombie sheep. 
Neither of those movies touched my list, but I have a great affection for yeah. both of them. I get it as your guilty pleasure picks, absolutely. Yeah. Um, like, I, I like them fine, and I like them because they do a lot with a little. Yes. And, and it's, it's, there's only a certain personality who would deign put such a movie in their machine. Yeah, yeah Frankenfish, that looks like something I need to see. That'll, yeah. that'll be me soon, I'll be putting it in. Uh, you know, Black Sheep has, is punctuated, one of, uh, a major plot point is based off of a sheep farting. <laughs> yeah, like, like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I've talked about like, that. Yeah. I, I don't always go for that, but, uh, but we'll see. <laughs> it, it's, it's so crazy and over the top that it demands attention. So yeah. I respect the decision. Yeah. Well, it's and just, that, it's fun, right? Yeah, well, both of them are fun. You're, like, you, you've gone to the movies. You've had a good time. Yeah, right? like, and they're also short. Like, yeah. they, they don't yeah. stay 80 minutes. 80 minutes. Yeah, no, that's nothing. Yeah. 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 So yeah. I lovingly give Frank and Fish okay. and Black Sheep Number thirty. Where where can I find this? Because that's what I'm struggling with. That's what I struggled with. Amazon. Some movies, yeah. Amazon. You can borrow them from me anytime you like. Yeah, that's right. You have everything. So. <laughs> yeah. What was your? So last? I, I'm afraid that my list is going to sound seem very mainstream. Okay. Uh, but just based on this first selection. But maybe maybe I'm wrong. My first one um, is kind of a behind the scenes old Hollywood idea. Well, not really Hollywood, but German filmmaking. Shadow of the Vampire. Featuring one of the great performances of the 2000s. What are you calling it? The, the, the Naughties? I call it the Naughties. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the 2000s, the Naughties by William Defoe. Uh, he's playing this uh, this actor, Max Schreck, who is apparently a, a deep, deep method actor. But many people believe in the filming of Nosferatu that an actual vampire was hired to play this role. And the, the, the whole film plays into that. Uh, it has its problems. I mean, Malkovich, I think, is uh, just a notch over the top. Yeah. He's playing uh, the director, Monod. Um, uh, the movie's just full of great acting. It's just terrific acting, a lot of atmosphere. The climax is horrifying when you realize, okay, we have this vampire monster here, but the true monster in this film is the director who will do anything to to get his vision. So yeah. uh, I just think it's a, a, a solid film. I, I, it was difficult to get a hold of, and I rewatched it recently. It, but it, it, it's not scary, scary. So that's why it's it's, it's really far back. interesting. It's really interesting. But it didn't quite make my list for that reason. Yeah. I found it more interesting than scary. Yeah. I was more lost in the acting and the performances and the execution than I was taken away by the spell that this the story was casting. I like it a lot. I have no problem with yeah. it being on your list. <clears throat> um, respect. S- yeah. Same with me. Nothing about respect. I think it's a beautiful movie to, uh, to look at. Mm-hmm. I love the opening credits. I love the score. Uh-huh. The actors are great. Um, Make, I, the makeup's outstanding. I, I sort of put it in that sort of j- j- subgenre of movies about making movies, mm-hmm. a la the, the player and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but I totally understand why it's here. I mean, it's taking on the Nosferatu tale. Um, once again, the list was so hard, I thought about it, but it didn't make my list. And points to Nicolas Cage, who was a producer. He, yes, he, yeah. that's right. And I think originally he wanted to play the character that Willem Dafoe did, but yeah. when he saw Willem Dafoe and pictured in his head what the movie could be with him, yeah. he thought that was the right call for the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's a good decision, because he doesn't always make the right decision. I think it would be funnier with Nick Cage. It, it, yeah, and it is, it is yeah. actually a, a darkly co- comedic film. I mean, yeah. there's... But it doesn't it's quite let you get comfortable. No, you can no. smile, but you can't quite yeah. laugh. Yeah. And this is the role that actually got him the Green Goblin role in, in Spider-Man. And honestly, I really think they should have just stayed with makeup instead of the whole costume. But 
I digress. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're getting way off topic. Yeah. So usually I will put my guilty pleasure at the very bottom mm-hmm. of the list, but instead it's going to be in my 29th position because my obsessive compulsive disorder had me put David Slade's 30 Days of Night okay. in last place from 2007. I'm not a big vampire guy, yeah. generally speaking, but this movie has teeth. It, it's it does. Like, <clears throat> the concept is sound. Uh, it's arguably anticlimactic, but very faithful to the original graphic novels, which I have read. Mm-hmm. Stylistically very strong, so much so that it absolutely breaks my heart that the director went on to work on the Twilight franchise. <laughs> but I really think by itself, as like an isolated popcorn horror movie, Three Days of Night gets the job done. So there it is in 30th position. Once again, nothing but respect. I didn't put it on the list because, once again, so many great horror movies, but... I dig to live in Bukes out of Fifty Days of Night. It was it was on my shout out list. It was on my runner up. But you've um, seen this one at least. Yes, yes. <laughs> I have seen it. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Uh, and there, there wasn't a lot wrong with it. I just as tough. I just found thirty movies that I just subjectively thought were better. But I, I yeah, that, it's tough. I mean, it really does belong on one of our lists. So I'm glad it's been mentioned. There it is. Yeah. Mr. Beckman, what's your 29th ranking movie? So this is when it gets a little controversial. I chose this pick for numerous reasons. Uh, one, I had to do a sort of shout-out to the torture porn genre that really got uh, celebrated during the, this decade. But I also chose this movie because I do think it gives one of the greatest horror villains of this decade, and it doesn't get uh, uh, as much shout-out, and that is writer-director's Tom Six, The Human Centipede. I totally understand why people hate this movie. I get it. I get it. This movie goes it like it it, it wallows down at the bottom of the barrel. But I get I gotta give a special shout out to Dieter Lazer, who plays Mm -hmm. Dr. Hater or Heiter, I'm sure I'm saying this wrong. Um, the second we see him on screen, it follows the, the the familiar trajectory of like two good looking young women who get lost in a European country and they they get lost in the woods and they find like Hansel and Gretel they find this sort of deck tech 90s style house and they meet up uh, with uh, Dieter and right away even the viewer kind of knows oh this person is not all quite right in the head he just has this presence about him that is utterly terrifying and the movie really works for the first 45 minutes on this sense of dread we know something is not right. We know that we're going to come up to the, you know, to the actual human centipede, but it's all build up, and there's some real skill here. When we and here's the other thing: when we actually get to the human centipede part, uh, we get the doctor explaining what the operation is going to be, and it's all oral. Like it's, it, we never see the operation, and when we get to the actors actually in the human centipede, it's all them. Like, there's actually not a lot of gore in this movie. It's all the actors selling the human centipede itself. It's like, and it's just their performances. And so I kind of walked out of this movie kind of like the same way with The Hills Have Eyes, Uh where it's a mean-spirited movie, but there's a moral redemption aspect to it, and... It's all the actors. Like, like it, it, it doesn't really go cheap with the, with the gore. We see it. We, uh, uh, okay. it it's all. I think we get it. It's I think all. We don't need a full review. Yeah, but it's I, all. I get what you're 
Where human sanity. Uh, uh, and I'm kicking myself that I haven't, I, I didn't track it down yet. So, so I won't. I go back and forth. It. I hate that. Is it okay? Like, yeah, I, I can't it's had an influence, but people yeah. have, uh, people told me not to see it. No, people don't realize I that I do yeah. watch those. There's plenty of like torture porn movies that I could yeah. say, yeah, yeah, sure. Give a guilty pleasure. Hostel was yeah. influential, if nothing else. Or, or you know, there's lots to choose from. Yeah. Of all the ones to choose, I like that would be at the very bottom of my list. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing, like. When you go to see a movie called Hostel, yeah, you're you're paying your money to watch these people get yeah. strapped to a chair and tortured. Yeah. And yeah. That's one thing. Yeah. When you pay to see Human Centipede, what gets you there is the idea of people being sewn ass to mouth. Yep. It's not for me. Mm-hmm. I don't give a shit about that movie. Yep. I struggled through it because you said it had some redeeming qualities. Yep. And I think the only reason that movie exists is the tease of the shock. And I'm sure people will either be disappointed because it wasn't shocking enough or yep. because it was too shocking. But yep. either way, I see no value in it personally. That's so. fine. Um, for me, I, 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 I sort of see Dieter as you know the same sort of uh, family as the Angus Grimm Tallman. I thought he's a great horror villain. I totally understand why people hate this movie. I get why you don't like this movie, but it made an enough effect on me that I, I couldn't leave it off the list. And keep listening, because I have some mean-spirited movies on my list. It's not that it's so dour and awful, necessarily. Yeah. It's just, yeah. it's one of those movies that people use to beat up the horror uh, genre, yeah. and it's one of those movies that I have a hard time defending. Yeah. And I can defend some pretty fucked mm-hmm. up movies. Yeah, I'm disappointed <laughs> that this is, the, this is the well that he keeps going back to. I kind of see, t- I, I, when I first saw it, I thought Tom Six could be the next Dutch madman like Paul Verhoeven. And sadly, he stayed in this well. I'm just going to up the stakes. Yeah, every yeah, and it's and it's disappointing. But yeah, like I said, right. 29. It, he's it's, it's got that disagree. kind of midnight movie. It's a take your girlfriend movie. to horrifier. <laughs> but as but, I said, but there's a lot. I I'm going to watch it and then I'll <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll just send yeah. you my opinion. I get, but I. You're not wrong. Because yeah. like, I'm going like, to be either on his thing. side or I'm going to be on your well, side. No, like, here's the thing. Like, I get why he hates it. I'm not blind to the fact no, no, that no. most yeah. people... Really? <laughs> yeah. So, like, I but get it. I'm not blind. Solid pick. Not solid blind. Pick. Yeah. It's influential. I mean, it is a very influential... Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. For mentioning all of these movies, <laughs> <laughs> I might yeah. as well mention it. Uh, we're on to number 29 for me. Uh, so... We've talked about Stephen King. Yeah. Um, I love Stephen King's literature. Uh, I like most of his movies. There's the good, the bad, and the ugly. What was interesting about this particular decade is the the big it. Uh, well, we're we're back to remakes of it and Pet Cemetery, but the big novels that he was known for had already been made into movies. So these were kind of novellas or short stories. And first one I want to mention is The Mist, directed by Frank Darabont. Um, and it's 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 funny how there's a couple of them I, I see and then I I forget some details and I go back and I'm like this is just a, a really really great film. Yeah. Uh, I like the setting. I like this uh, kind of lake community uh, grocery store. It feels very authentic. The characters in there. It goes into some really dramatic territory. Marsha Gay Harden. I it's, she kills she's, it. She's yeah. She's, she's going for the moon, the stars, and the sun in this performance. She kills it. She I think. kills it. There's, and, a cu- there's a couple of people that I can't believe didn't even get recognition, but yeah. Yeah, and then the end. Like you think, you, you think it's just the most devastating end. Sometimes <laughs> King's stuff will end kind of hopeful in, in some strange way after all these horrible things have happened. Yeah. It's a devastating end. I'm, I couldn't uh, recommend it hi- <laughs> higher, other than the fact that I'm not sure it's all that scary. Okay. 
And well, with, with that being the criteria, movies jumped over it on my list because right. it's not as scary as some. It, it's my only gory, problem. It's, my only problem with the selection is how low it is on the list. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. my only. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And I, I, that, it's like Blair Witch. I know I'm it is. Same. I know it belongs, but I. I to me, the mist has always been the dark shadow the, to, to sort of counterbalance the light of Shawshank Redemption. Yep. Shawshank Redemption is all about hope, mm-hmm. and mist is, is all about giving in to despair. And they're almost equal, in at least that measure. So I have nothing but love for the mist. It yeah. will come up again. Oh, yeah. it, it, it will be mentioned again, like I said. I do you like the creatures in it? I, I do. love it. Yeah. I love everything okay. about that yep. movie. Um, you will be hearing from it again on my list. Yeah. Uh, uh, I've mentioned it before in the podcast. I have the director's special edition where you can watch it in black and white. Oh, and it's I would love to see so that. much better. Oh, I'd love to white. see that. This, because the creatures don't stand out as much. Okay. And, it, and the B-movie aesthetic is, is both simultaneously embraced, embraced but... It also seems somehow grittier in black and white, too. So that, that would be amazing. It's like you get to have your cake and eat it, too. Yeah. Uh, if you get a chance to watch it in black and white, that's my preferred way to watch The Mist. I, I, I nod my head of approval. Yeah. yeah. I, maybe it would be higher if I had seen that version of it. So, right. so my 29th pick is where my guilty pleasure showed up. From 2001 and Stuart Gordon, I give you Dagon. Yay! <laughs> It's an adaptation of the H.P. Lovecraft story, uh, Innismouth. What is it? The Escape from Innismouth. There, Shadows over Innismouth. Yeah. And um, this guy's on a vacation, and uh, they they get a bad storm, and he has to take shelter in this fishing village. And everything about this fishing village is wrong right away. It's got a huge Night of the Living Dead vibe. Because it's Stuart Gordon, he's working incredibly low budget, so you have to put up with some really not good CGI at times, like really not good CGI at times like what is this doing on the list bad CGI at times but counterbalance to that it has some of the craziest practical physical effects that I've seen this side of Romero's Day of the Dead and they're telling a Lovecraft story pretty well it's crazy it's like it's it's in your face and you know it's one of those Gallagher Seats movies where the level of gore is like a certain audience will just say when at some yeah. point, right? Yeah. But I love that Stuart Gordon is so willing to show you shit you haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, he does it again here. It's not an amazing movie, but I have a lot of love for it. <laughs> so you see it no judgment here and I'm <laughs> nodding my head in approval. Not on my list, uh-huh. but once again, totally understand. Okay. Have you seen Dagon? I have written it down to see him. Dagon. <laughs> okay. Dagon's good. I feel like this it's, is going to be the thing. There's one, scene, there's one scene in particular I'm like, damn, son. <laughs> how, how can we make sure that uh, Jason doesn't go off rails? <laughs> Let's find the most obscure ones. Some of them are not all that obscure. but I mean, well, okay. Stuart, Stuart Gordon. Because I've heard you talk about it on, uh, on the previous awesome. Yeah. Well, show. he did The Reanimator, and he's, yeah. he's done like yeah. some fairly popular movies. Uh, so he's been around. Robot jocks? Anybody? A robot I, jocks? I saw it back in the day and remember nothing of it. Remember? So. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I used to think I could remember every detail of every movie. Broke on the right, on the right night, dude, and in the right mood, I think mm-hmm. Dagon's the thing. But you have to set your mind a little bit on stupid. Just yeah. all I'm asking. Yeah. Wasn't that the movie that fine. officially wrecked the Full Moon Studio? Robot jocks. Robot jocks bankrupt them. I yeah, think, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just gotta love it. <laughs> anyway, that was my that was my twenty nine. Mr. Beckman, what's your twenty eight? Well, once again, controversially, and we are going to talk about this movie. And it originally wasn't on my list, but then I saw it again, and I understood 
I think what he was going for, but once again, it's open to interpretation, and that is Lars von Trier's Antichrist. I think it's actually radically feminist. Mm. I think it is a um, episode made by a mentally ill person who is suffering from bipolarism, who is wrestling with the patriarchy of religion. Mm-hmm. Uh, once again, I totally understand why you hate this movie. Hate's <laughs> a strong word. Hate's a strong word. Okay, you yeah. don't like this but movie, I, and I and I also <laughs> I also we will talk about this. Um, it stayed with me. I think it's a aesthetically beautiful movie to look at. There, as a person who likes to study paintings and knows exactly oh, yeah. where some of these shots come from, mm-hmm. it's always that. Hey, that's really cool. Um, it it's is not beautiful, easy. It's beautiful, not, horrible movie. It's a beautiful, hor- horrible, beautiful horror and horrible movie. Yeah. So I, I couldn't leave it off the list. I think it's powerful enough. So at number 28, I have the very debatable, very talked about uh, Antichrist. Antichrist. Yeah. Well, you'll, obviously you chose it. Yeah, so. yeah and you'll be hearing a, a lot from me on this one later on and when we review it. Um, but I'm, I'm totally with Lee. I, I, it's, well, look, it's on my list. and It's, it's not on my list. Um, I agree that at times there's beautiful stuff in it. And I have such respect for actors who are willing to commit body Oof. and soul to a role. So do there's ever? a lot to respect here. But if you ask me, did I enjoy my time with Antichrist? You're not but, supposed, you're to, not like, supposed to. No, you're, you're supposed, supposed to. to. It's you're the supposed same to think. way as you would say, did you enjoy your time with Requiem for a Dream or something like that? Yeah. No, I didn't. But... Uh, Whereas I could, I, I saw more value personally in Wrecking for a Dream and what they were trying to do with it. Um, and I have a very personal problem with, with Lars von Trier. Like, mm-hmm. part of this is me, and I will cop to that. Yeah. I do not like Lars von Trier okay. the person. Yeah. And that sometimes bleeds into his work. Yeah. Well, um, let's yeah. say that. Yeah. Let's say that. Yeah. 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 There'll yeah. be a lot yeah. to talk about. Yeah. Because there's other filmmakers I could bring up who are horrible human beings and we we put, we put their films yeah. uh, like I think you both had The Shining way up there and for yeah. the Cooper's 80s show a yeah. Yeah. but I love him he's one of the greatest filmmakers of all time yeah. he's and, a bastard. And. Yeah. I heard a sound the cry of all the things that are to die that's what fear is your thoughts distort reality you have to have the courage to stay in the situation that frightens you do you love me? <laughs> <laughs> Do this. The ground is burning. The ground is not burning. Nature is Satan's church. Do you know what you're saying? You shouldn't underestimate him. Tell me what you think is supposed to happen in the woods. Where are you? I should have come here. So Lars von Trier is a provocateur in yep. that, like, he likes to make shit that pisses people off mm-hmm. and that amuses him. He gets off on it. Mm-hmm. And as a person, I mean, I don't know him. I have not met the guy, but I've heard enough bad shit come out of his mouth that I just don't like him. And he kind of reminds me of this sort of 
the Todd Solins, Larry Clark school of filmmaker, mm-hmm. where every time you make a movie, it's going to push a nerve. It's going to be super shitty about some aspect. Or in otherwise, either he's <laughs> pushing a nerve or he's just bathing in the suffrage of women, which by yeah. his own admission, he finds enjoyable. He enjoys women suffering. That's entertaining. His words. So, uh, How does he get the women that he gets to be yeah. in his films? Uh, well, he's a very respected artiste. Uh-huh. And I think he's more of an artiste than he is a filmmaker, personally. <laughs> okay. Uh, I said that I think that there's some amazing visual achievement in a lot of his films. Mm-hmm. And Antichrist is no exception. Mm-hmm. And the full body and soul commitment of Charlotte Gainsbourg and, and Willem Dafoe mm-hmm. deserves a lot of respect. Mm-hmm. But it's all in the service of a guy who thinks it's a joke on his own audience by his own words. And I can't respect that. I can't respect that he thinks he's pulling one over on us. I don't think that's a fair reason to dislike the movie because I don't like the the film's creator. So upon watching this for the first time, this wasn't this me was re- the first time. This wasn't me revisiting it. I after Dogville just decided I was done with Lars von Trier. Uh-huh. I hadn't liked any fucking thing he'd done since Breaking the Waves, and I had this sinking feeling like after if I watched Breaking the Waves again uh, that it would just become about the suffering of the character instead of me thinking oh what a strong performance she really went there emotionally all picture is Lars von Trier behind the camera with an erection okay (laughs) so that's gonna hurt Mm -hmm. it for me right Mm -hmm. Uh, he has done stuff more interesting in his far past when he did TV in Denmark that Kingdom (coughs) miniseries and stuff like that the haunted hospital what an ideal setting for a ghost story, a hospital, you know, mm-hmm. there just seemed full of potential, and there's stuff in this, the background that's not without interest. But generally speaking, the theme of his work is women suffering, and uh, sort of art portrait shots, like the, it's film, but he has these almost still canvas portraits that, that he, he will measure in on and make you kind of drink it mm-hmm. in. Uh, there's a few shots of the nature, particularly when we get into mm-hmm. Eden in, 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 in Antichrist, where he says, look at this for a few nature seconds. Nature is Satan's church. And then we go moving on yeah, forward. That was an important yeah, idea. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. The story has to do with a couple who's lost their baby. Was it an act of just a mistake or an act of neglect? It's hard to say. They're having a fairly passionate love scene. The baby yeah. is not being watched. The baby crawls to a window. The baby falls out the window mm-hmm. in brutal agonizing black and white slow motion and then the w- woman she, we never get any names in this they're movie. just, he and pro- she. They're which just is, the pronouns of he which and by she. the way is always a flag right away for me is if it? you have a movie where they don't bother to give characters names if we're just dealing with he and she flag would you have been mad <laughs> if it had been Adam and Eve <laughs> Uh, well, at least it would have been more directly on point. But, I mean, I guess that would have made even more sense because, like, they they've been so on the nose about everything else. Why not just call them Adam and Eve? Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, but uh, Willem Dafoe is going to help his wife through this, this grief by basically psychologically and physically torturing her. She is then going to avenge that psychological and physical torture by, well, returning the favor. Uh, including attaching a legit millstone to him, which I thought was something out of way fucking left field. Uh, We have genital mutilation. We have um, 
lots of stale uh, uh, these crazy images of nature the the deer what running around with this stillborn calf half hanging yes out. Uh, and that weird fucking fox thing that sort of speaks. Yeah, chaos reigns, yeah. Uh, it's a jumble of awful images, strange perversion, confusion, mm-hmm. aggression, and uncomfortableness. And that's the movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's stuff to, to talk you, yeah. about. You could say, like, well, I mean, that's that's what it, the movie is uncomfortable and yeah. beautiful, and it goes on for two hours, and that that kind of is like what the experience of the movie is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what you get out of it is what you kind of get out of it. I think, for me, it, the uncomfortable kind of trumped anything else. Is there an intellectual layer to be explored? Probably, yeah. Uh, there's there's some ideas. Um, is there some interesting ideas about gender politics? Yes. And I think for me, the most compelling thing that I could lock into and think, like, made, help me make sense of the movie is this, the Antichrist, the perversion of nature, this reversing the idea that nature is good inherently mm-hmm. and is there mm-hmm. for us and, and, and loves us back. This is the idea of nature where none of that is true and closer and that, to And that the women are nature... Because there's this line in in there that she says, uh, our bodies are not our own. Our bodies belong to nature. And then this suggestion nature is Satan's playground. And I think a lot of it is about... Some of the muddiest shit in the movie for me personally. I can understand how people would see it either as huge and misogynist or the opposite opposite is a feminist film here's here's, he himself okay but here we go yeah here's a few Lars von Trier's Mm -hmm. quotes just from the guy some of them having to do with this movie but some of them just generally Mm -hmm. Um, he grew up sorry he chose Catholicism as his chosen face mainly to piss off all the Protestants that lived around him Mm mhm okay he considered Antichrist a fun way to work through some of the darker aspects of his own personal depression. The movie never fails to make me smile. <laughs> uh, he's often visibly drunk and stoned on set and self-admitted and has been reported by cast members. Bjork said that she would never do another movie again after working with him. Mm-hmm. Nicole Kidman had to reassess what she was willing to tolerate yeah. after working with him. He does have a history of getting a little bit handsy, or if not handsy, very aggressive and angry and not quite physical, but shitty, particularly to his female cast members. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's to speak nothing of the, you know, the whole Hitler speech at, uh, mm-hmm. at the con film Which, festival. Which uh, Kirsten Dunst was so... Uh, she didn't know what to do. You watch her reaction in there, and later she bashed him in interviews. He says a film shouldn't be entertaining. A film should be a rock in your shoe. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. He also says he's the greatest filmmaker in the world. And I think mm-hmm. even if it was true, if you claim you yourself the greatest filmmaker in the world, yeah. you're a shithead for saying it. Yeah. So we were talking about Jeepers Creepers. Should this bleed into the movie? Should it make me like the movie less? Probably not. Does it? Yes, yes it does. does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like it less because I hate the guy who made it. And maybe that's unfair, but I'm going to be honest with you and say that that is true. Okay. And that's a not very good starting point to have in a movie, but that's where I was as I sat down to watch Antichrist. Yeah. I respect the actors, I respect some of the visual components, 
And most of the rest of the stuff, I, thought I would either dismiss as interesting or I would dismiss as, oh, I'm supposed to be really shocked or angry right now, aren't I, Lars? Fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah. And that's the war that I have while watching the movie. I don't hate it the way I expected that, frankly, I was going to hate it. Mm -hmm. And it's, but nor does it make me want to change my mind and suddenly go watch Nymphomaniac <coughs> and The House yeah. of Jack built. Like, I, mm -hmm. I just don't fucking care anymore. Yeah. Like, there's enough great filmmakers out there who are telling stories that actually mean to be a story and mean to entertain. Mm -hmm. So I'll watch those movies. I'm done with this. So I'm sorry I've overtaken. I spent the first eight minutes of the review just justifying my position. It's fine. But there it is. I'm not a huge fan of Antichrist. Though I respect elements of it, it's just not for me. Yeah, um, I had a lot of connections to this movie, uh, especially as it played along. Um, and one thing I guess I felt great power from, or at least a connectivity or a scaffolding to, is finding about about the making of this movie. He was all set to go to make this movie a year in advance before he actually shot it, and he suffered from a huge bout of his, you know, bipolarism. Mm -hmm. Uh, and he had to like Eva Green was supposed to play like the original Charlotte Gainsborough oh, huh. uh, character and since I come from a family that had, where mental, Ill mental illness is very much an issue uh, especially when it comes to depression and even I have to watch myself well you know once in a while um, I definitely understood uh, the whole feeling how your body betrays you how nature betrays you and the best that is, case scenario yeah. is that nature gives you everything yeah and then takes it away yeah so i could totally identify with von trier and his exploration of that about how we can think nature is a very beautiful thing but it could also be very much like satan's church and having uh an illness like that and, and, and wanting to get better like that's something else that clearly I felt kind of struggling through this movie especially when the Gainsborough character you know she has an epiphany and for a brief moment is happiness and Willem Dafoe just, just doesn't trust it no. um, having that feeling of this you so want to get better but you can't because you're so so sad and not understanding it I deeply felt like that I also understand you know th through his history I think he's also very aware of his chauvinism. He actually hired a chauvinistic expert for this movie because that's one thing. With that, a weird thing. Yeah, it was a radical feminist and, and wanted to. And he, and he definitely knows how patriarchal the Catholic faith is, how a lot of faith is, and how it's very much <coughs> a destructive, repulsive thing for women. I feel like neither person comes out a winner in this. But it's well, the age-old trope of men are monsters and women are monster food, and I, I'm over it. You know, like, uh, do you well, does Willem Dafoe but, not mourn his child? Okay, does he but, not, but yeah. he he is so he he he, he, he tre treats her as a project instead of dealing with his feelings. He now moves into oh she's my patient I'm gonna spend full time he making her my pa she's so not my wife she's my patient he breaks so many ethics codes by doing that yeah. right and if he was a character with a name then we could get into that but if yeah, he is a man and, yeah and no and of course von Schur he hates, is man he hates he's he hates yeah. the psychiatric field like he he's come out and said like mm -hmm. one of the reasons why I wanted to make this movie was just to tar and feather the psychiatric field. Right. Um, 
Willem Dafoe, I think, is really the true monster in this movie. I like we get the sense that yeah. he's been psychologically torturing her even before the child yeah. that incident happens. So when she does eventually lash out. I can honestly see a lot of women really cheering for her. Mm-hmm. She she also is made to convince through her own religious teachings, you know, that women she thinks that women are inherently evil. She has that confession she to him. She says that, yeah. Uh, about that. And that's just how much of the brainwashing she's just trying to at least process. Mm-hmm. Um so like this movie Defoe at least at the very least is doing a lot of and I hate the term mansplaining everything to her. Oh. And, and and when his psychological torture has driven her to, and it's such a horrifying scene where she's pouring all the pills down the toilet mm-hmm. and she's looking back, sort of smiling. I literally gasp out to, No! Do like, what are you doing? They're like, mm-hmm. this is no good is coming, this, and you're evil for suggesting this. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I think it is a giant feminist nightmare of a movie and that's just and one of the and if I believed that Lars von Trier cared about feminism I might back you up on that okay. but I think he's a provocateur and he yeah. wants people to be shocked but is he some yes I agree with you I agree that, that that's one of the angles and I think one of the huge criticisms that I have for von Trier is you know you need to lighten up a little bit obviously mm. but also they choose a different Avenue, like if if that's if that's all you always what you're doing that you're mm. meant to be provocative. It shouldn't be entertaining. It should be a rock in your shoe. I think some of that. There's so is, many frivolous movies that come out though. Yeah, and, that, and and so that's the point. I think he's trying to make. He's making it in a very uh, self-serving and arrogant to be this way. Grotesque showmanship, like there is, yeah, uh, element to it. So whether he truly believes in himself to be the greatest filmmaker in the world. No, I think that, yeah. like, I doubt he does, but yeah. he knows that a lot of people will be pissed off that he yeah. says it. And he yeah. says it's why he but, says it. And that yeah. gets attention to his movies yeah. made outside of... I just don't of, respect that. Outside yeah. of a studio system and... It, it gets to be a little much after a while, and I freely, freely, freely... I think he that. sunk Melancholia with what he said at that press conference, because Melancholia... I know you haven't really seen really it, did, It's it's a fantastic film. It's one of Kirsten Dunst's best performances. Yeah. Um, and um, but then people stayed away from it because I haven't seen it. But I of what, like, what it he wasn't said because it's... of the press conference. It was like I said yeah. after Dogville. I I can't even fully articulate how much I hated Dancer in the Dark. Yeah. like I fucking I like Dancer it. in the Dark. I, I but fucking it, hated it. Mm-hmm. And like I, I'm a Bjork fan. It wasn't that I didn't like the music. I like Bjork. I like the music. I think that she's actually than... an emotional powerhouse, and it's too bad she quit making movies because I bet you she's quite an actress. Mm-hmm. But uh, again, that was one of his women suffer, and he gets off on it. Movies, and I really didn't like it. And yeah. Dogville was somehow an even artier, fartier version of that, getting legitimized by serious, real actors, and it just like. I was just like, no. I mean, maybe there's a there's a place for this kind of cinema, but yeah. this is not for me. I am done. Fuck you, Lars von Trier. Yeah. I did the same thing with Todd Solondz, and I did the same thing with Larry Clark. And yeah. talented filmmakers, sure. But like, and I, I the think they're about, more about pissing people off yeah. than they are about. You do need to grow. You, do, I, I fully admit, you that's do need all to, you can do is yeah. piss people off. That's kind of lame and easy. I mean, I didn't yeah. hear anything about the new film and. I'd oh, I heard it's it's shocking, and there's two versions it? of it. it. It's really him talking about himself, and or at least how the media perceives him in in a lot of ways. I haven't seen it yet. I don't. I'm not going to rush to it. Look, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. Is that I I 
I don't see him as an amazing filmmaker. Uh, I, I do think he needs to He's grow. He's an artist. He's an artist. Um, like he can create a great shot. I mean, the opening yeah. sequence of this movie, I, I, mean, I would challenge you to find anything that looks more beautiful while we're watching a child jump out of a window. Yeah. I mean, and a very graphic sex scene. Sex scene. That's going on. But there, there's so much important stuff happening in that sequence when you... It, and I know you will not want to watch it ever again, but watching it again, uh, the, I mean, the the first three parts are yep. in there with those soldiers, pain, what is it, pain? The three beggars who we actually yeah. see at the end of the movie. Yeah, yeah. And, and then we return to something that isn't shown later on uh, just before the genital mutilation. And I, I think... This is there's this idea in here that or suggestion that two ideas I have and you can maybe throw in the your your reading things into this movie. One one of them is the idea that the little boy sees his parents having sex and he chooses to jump out the window because he doesn't know what's happening. He can't reconcile that. That's maybe me stretching it. The other one is that she saw that he was getting up there and was in a, a dangerous situation but she was so committed to having her orgasm that Which she, is, wouldn't she and then so she, she so, applies that and then is that and then and then she and then right after yeah. that she cuts off her clitoris yeah uh so because she's ripping out the thing that basically killed her child and all of the guilt that she has uh Blaming herself for the death of her, mm-hmm. but again, her like, son. My like great analysis, mm-hmm. like by that, she is so furious with all the physical and psychological torment that her ju- her her husband has subjected her to. Mm-hmm. But in the end, when she finally embraces what she believes to be her responsibility, she sexually mutilates herself. Does that not somehow vindicate his position? <laughs> And here's the other thing, like the faceless crowd of women that pass by the the evil man. Mm-hmm. Yes, man is evil and bad, as he is in every movie, especially in these art movies. They're in like period clothing, and their faces are all soft. So, like, does that mean he can't understand women? Is that going falling back to the plight of women? And again, if I believed that Lars von Trier gave a shit about mm-hmm. women, mm-hmm. I could really, I could make a meal out of that. But. It's completely counterfeit, right? Like, he doesn't believe that. Or if he does, he's closer in his heart to being on side with the Willem Dafoe character. And I'm just basing this on, again, the movies I've seen of his and words that have come out of the man's mouth. Mm-hmm. But so, is he saying that so that people will see the movie and then they'll be, like, totally screwed? Like, he doesn't believe any of the stuff he's saying because he's, he's trying to get this attention and then you see it and you're he like puts mix those up, like, ideas out seems there seems like there's a feminist message in here but he says stuff which is mis- so where, uh, yeah. where, where do we actually prov- sit it's the provo- provocation it's mm-hmm. all about him yeah after a point like the films are just the next film as long as it's pissing people off he's mm-hmm. winning mm-hmm. I mean I took it that it was the faceless she, I, victims I, 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 I agree of- I agree that he needs to find a different tune yeah I agree but if you're going to be dealing with dark, horrific subjects like he is in Antichrist, uh, 
I'm glad he was let off the reins. Some uh, yeah, he, he didn't pull bit. punches. This no. is not as um, I, I think it's safe about this movie. I've I seen do in think, any horror movie. yeah, I I, I I do think that this movie could not be made else by a person who is suffering from mental illness, such as bipolarism. This seems like the, like, like the perfect movie that could come out of that kind of mind. Right. And I'm willing to at least sort of examine it and and. Whether he's full, uh, full of you know baloney, great, fine. Uh, and I, I, but I, and I agree with you that he does, he does need to find a different story. And at this point, the whole role of the males is the abuser, like undimensioned evil piece of shit who has nothing to contribute but hate and wrong in the world. Yeah, has been well enough explored. I would like to see some dimension or some exploration of why. To go back to our old Chicago it's... Ten argument. Sure. Oh, okay, they're evil. A... Why are they evil? Why is he doing this? Yeah. Maybe he doesn't attempt to ask answer that. So, okay. okay. It is Willem Dafoe's character truly evil or is he avoiding feeling the grief of losing his son that's well, he's the question I have column A and column B combined to be perfectly honest he jumps into his work like a lot of people do when yeah. the men, men I'm generalizing here yeah. makes it about her yeah yeah yeah. And externalizes mm-hmm. it. Women internalize, men externalize. Yeah. Is it yeah. that simple? Yeah. Uh, again, and just the broad strokes, the place that they go to to, to get well is Eden, but it's so not. Eden, I, Eden yeah. is no longer Eden anymore. The the sin has happened. The, yeah. the not world subtle, and nature is... Visually well represented. The, the, yeah. Satan is yep. in charge. Yep. Yeah. It has a huge impact on me, but it, it is not for everyone. Yeah. I'm sorry to be so be the counterpoint on this. No, no, it's uh, good, And again, man. much like I said with Jeepers Creepers, I don't know that, that my review of this is fair, but I would feel dishonest if mm-hmm. I said anything but Definitely. Yep. There it is. feeling you you two might be saying that this is uh, again it should be uh, higher on my list but Canadian uh, film Ginger Snaps directed by John Fawcett you're fired uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm in trouble no. um, yeah I, I really like the premise here I mean I, I think you've talked about how werewolf movies are a tough thing for they're a tough thing that this this one works uh, I, I listened to I don't know how how long ago this podcast where you uh, were reviewing uh, Ginger Snaps too, right? And I got the idea that it was b- better than the first one as a general analysis. I went to Boozy, see it and I, I, it case, didn't work for me as well. But uh, case is that it was better. I don't. I think like in a way there's there's it's a little bit more of a professional movie maybe than the first Ginger Snaps. It's yeah. got a little bit more polish to it. 
But uh, Ginger Snaps to me is like I talked about before. It's a movie with a little budget but a huge heart, mm-hmm. and like the yeah the metaphor of puberty and and, and, and yeah. the werewolfism works perfectly. The fact that it was a girl instead of a guy was awesome. That was, that was great. Yeah. You know the cast was awesome. No, I, I'm yeah I the sisters had such a great chemistry together from from the very beginning of the film. I, I guess it was a strange issue. With it because mo- what I like in a movie is different when, than what everybody else in the world seems to like. Right. I liked all of the setup. The climax wasn't as interesting to me. I guess that's where I where it fell fell back a little bit. And I think one of the, the professional argument was that uh, the creature doesn't look as impressive in that mm-hmm. in that version as opposed to uh, two. But, but I, like found, I found I found the first one more compelling. Much like Jaws, the movie's so good that mm-hmm. it, the, sp- the bad special effects you just want to forgive because you like yeah. the movie so much. Yeah, and recognizing I mean it's it's just this great Canadian. I'm guessing that Lee is going to have this on his list much higher than that. Oh, yes. I was, not, I was about to say, shocker, this is not the last time that we're going to be. No, no I, I don't think, I don't think we're going to be. Yes, Lee, yeah. you're correct. Yeah. It's yeah. a lot higher. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, fair enough. Uh, is that good enough on Ginger Snaps? Uh, okay, so in 28th position, I have Slither Man. from 2006 okay. by James Gunn I also want to put an honorable mention to Adam Green's Hatchet yeah. it's another over the top mm-hmm. kind of crazy yeah. funny horror movie yeah. but if I had to pick between those two I think I personally prefer Slither yeah. it borrows a lot from Night of the Creeps mm-hmm. uh, it, yeah. it's got a real fun sense of like over the topness to it it's, it's almost an actual living cartoon yeah. but the ick factor is really high oh, <laughs> it's <laughs> Michael Rooker is really killing it, buried under layers of makeup. Nathan Fillion is always a likable presence. The special effects are crazy and over the top, and I just have a big smile on my face while I'm watching Slither. The cow, man. The cow scene. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Sorry. No, that's that's, that's Uh, my choice. (laughs) uh, No, I I applaud the choice. Um, It hurts me so much to say this, but it's one of the honorable mentions. Uh, It was one of those, I can't believe it, because it was on the list up until like last week. It's pretty funny. It's kind of a funny movie too, so I get it. I get it. And that's that's my problem, is that (laughs) I I saw it too much comedy and not horrific enough. I know it has the the, the ick factor in there, and there's, there's... enough to like about it I like it but I don't love it and I know I'm in the minority on this one well this is the guy who brought and, and, Super and, and so, yeah I know so, that's what I'm saying I like James Gunn I mean yeah. and Super really overperformed for me when we uh, did that show but yeah, like, I, so like I said earlier man I looked up my honorable mentions and I shook my head going mm-hmm. I can't believe I'm doing this <laughs> No, I love Slither. I love it. It's you know what it really is. It's the family fun sequence. It's when that entire family gets wiped out by those like worm creatures. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just like this was a pretty fun bouncy quality. It almost has like a, a frighteners type of crazy. Yeah. Like here's a really goofy scene from a Disney movie. Now here's a fucking traumatizing scene See? from a horror movie. Yeah, and we're just gonna bounce back and forth. Oh, for me, it's the Michael Rooker when he impregnates that like woman he takes <laughs> home. Yeah, I'm just like. Oh, like just, it's, you can't unsee Slither. Yeah, so you here can't. It is. Really <laughs> no, I haven't unseen it. That's, no, that's true. Like, once again, I'm nodding my head in approval, and I just I can't believe it. But well, here's the one that I think is probably the most left field of it all. Believe it or not, uh, but considering I think where we are right now, and then this is more in the states than I would say here, but how polarized we are. Um, but I do think that this is a horror and an evil that needs to be addressed more 
in the public zeitgeist. And here's a documentary talking about it. At number 27, I have Jesus Camp. Oh, Jesus, cool. Jesus Camp is a terrifying, <laughs> terrifying documentary mm-hmm. about radical right religion and how they materialize and brainwash young children into fighting for our Savior Lord. And it's this is what serial killers are bred from in a lot of ways. Well, and, and it's, it's the joy that they're taking out of it, too. Yeah. They fucking love their job so yeah, much. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, this church doesn't exist anymore. Apparently, uh-huh. it's it stopped about three, four years, and they actually talked to one of the young boys later uh, and how he's, like, left the, um, the radical right religious world, and he's more about studying theology and different religions. Uh-huh. And he talked about how scary this <coughs> cult world is. But like, even the numbers they have at the start of the movie, they said, like, was it 54% of America has evangelical Christianity running through it? Um, this is, a, like, a, a, I don't know, it made me just gobsmacked at the stuff I was seeing. Yeah. Um, I want to do a special mention to another horror documentary called Cropsy, which started out sort of examining the... Uh, yeah, I know the, what you're talking about. Uh, the sort of uh, urban legend of the character Cropsy, but turns it turns into sort of crime procedural, but also talking about what happened with the Reagan years and the the destruction of all the mental health uh, facilities. It's not as good, but I, 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 I it's one of those horror documentaries that I think people should go and see. But Jesus Camp is you cannot take your eyes off it, and my and even seeing it again, my jaw dropped, yeah. and I, I I was left with this feeling of dread. And horror, much a lot, much to a lot of these movies on these lists. So, out of left field, I have the documentary. I, I love that pick. Jesus Camp. I really love that pick. And I, I was trying to find, I, I was trying to look through some documentaries, and you know, when just my general search for horror movies from that decade, there's there's some movies that are have horrific themes that don't get, you know, get tagged in there. And I, I think I was I was trying to find, and I don't know which decade it was. Where was the one about the um, uh, the Westboro Baptist? Uh, oh, how horrible and screwed up they are! I forget the name of it. Is "Deliver Us from Evil" or is, yeah, is it some title so. like that? I don't know what decade it's in. I, I I had a list of documentaries, and I don't know why this didn't come across, and because that's such a good pick. Well. Uh, I will definitely defend your choice of, of Jesus Camp. I didn't put it on there. I didn't put any documentaries on here just because once you kick down that door. Like, yeah, there's the mm-hmm. documentary The Bridge about people committing suicide off of the bridge. That is mm-hmm. fucking horrifying. Yeah. I'm sure there's like, any number of documentaries. Like real life is more horrible it's than... It's always going to be more horrifying. Jeepers Creepers or anything exactly. we're talking about here. Yeah. But what I'll, I'll defend half of your pick. Like, Jesus Camp, absolutely. It's one of those documentaries that makes me furious while I'm watching it. Like, mm-hmm. it... That was almost more my overwhelming. I was less scared than I was just these people exist, and I just, I just, I can't believe that you do that to children and that you love doing that to children. Like I, I hate yeah. the Cropsy. I will respectfully disagree on. I think that yeah. the story is really strong and the history around the fact that it's a real thing is good. Yeah. But it's one of those vanity documentaries where the people making the movie kind of make themselves the star of it. Okay, I, I can buy that, and I don't think it's as good. Michael Moore is guilty of this. That Sharkwater guy who passed away recently is a new. There's a whole thing with documentaries where, for some reason, no matter what the subject is, it's um, always about the, the fast food guy, too. Uh, Great example. Yeah. 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 Well, like Super I said, probably didn't make my list partly before that reason. Yeah. Uh, I, I found the story intriguing enough, and, and the, the sort of turns that it took yeah. 
where they then focused on, you know, is this an injustice done to the man who they thought was the killer uh, mm-hmm. of the children? Uh, and just the sort of groupthink terror that comes through, the, the community terror of, of let's forget all rationality and this is our guy. In a lot of ways, it, it's sort of similar to... You need to be close to them. Uh, sort of similar to those three documentaries about the, the young boys that were murdered and they um, accused those Paradise boys. Lost. Paradise, Paradise Lost. Lost. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the and again, once you kick down this documentary door, that's why I didn't include yeah. documentaries. Yeah. Like, we wouldn't be including... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> some be, very pr- prominent. We could do a list of the best yeah. documentaries of the Nazis if you wanted. Yeah, but like, yeah. But like I said, anyways, solid um, pick. Yeah, okay, yeah. like it. Um, Twenty-seven. You can argue whether this is a horror movie or not. Uh, Battle Royale. Um, and as a teacher, <laughs> it, 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 it is it is actually so so good. <laughs> it is so good because I understand the opening sequence and. And like I feel like we're two generations away from me being like knifed in the hallway for no particular reason, and and I know some teachers that are getting burned out and, yeah. and get that kind of you know, these kids are against us type of thing, which leads to this insane, insane idea, and all of the kids and how they're represented in there. Are totally authentic. I like the opening. Oh, we'll be friends forever. We'll work together, yeah. and then they all end up turning on each other. Social Darwinism, and it's essentially it is what kids do to themselves or are, are doing through social media and psychologically right now. It's just shown physically. It's it's a brutal film. Oh, no. um, not as brutal right. as some, but I mean, yeah. it, it is. It I, I really like it. The style is is. Absolutely perfect. I mean, there's it was the right decade because yeah. uh, the one actor I think was in, in Kill Bill Volume One yeah. and uh, yeah. has such a great face for cinema. So Battle Royale is Hunger Games on crack. Yeah, about much years much better the Hunger Games. Much much better than Hunger <laughs> and Games. And as far as watching these types kill each other, uh, yeah, I, I like I like the pick a lot, and I'm surprised it's on your list in a good way. Like you scored some points with me. Yeah. It's it's not on my list, but mm-hmm. I get it. Mm-hmm. It's one of those movies that like it kind of wears me out. Like, yeah, it is. Endur- it's an endurance. It test. is. It becomes much, exhausting yeah. after a point. Yeah, after the next scene where these kids kill each other, and yeah. then the next scene where these <laughs> kids kill yeah. each other, and I, the, the variety of kills are just so creative. To Jason's sort of um, comment, though, I'm surprised more teachers haven't lost their Evan Love and mind, <laughs> gone to school, and kind of went, "Fuck you, fuck <laughs> you, you're cool." And start killing. Like, we're well, worried about children bringing guns. Whenever I hear someone say how, I know how we stop shootings at schools, yeah. or I'm the teachers. So yeah. I was like, oh. have you ever met any teacher, teacher? ever? <laughs> no, yeah. no, yeah. no like, what a stupid, stupid idea. One of the last idea. people that should get guns are teachers. Yeah. And I am one, yeah. so. Oh, like, no disrespect. And, and, yeah, yeah. and no, I, I, for the record, I love my job. Yes, I'm just saying. I love my job. There, love there's my a job. point in the year where it's it's tough going I, for everybody. Oh, no, like dealing with the even some of the parents and the children among staff too. Uh, uh, yeah. Staff, oh my! Like you just kind of go, what? What? I'm the bad guy? <laughs> How did this happen? Yeah. It's obviously hit a nerve. I think, yeah, especially because you gentlemen are both teachers. Maybe yes. there's something that bumps it up a notch. Yeah. Uh, all right, that's a great pick. My number 27, if I can find it here, is it's a zombie comedy tie. And you guys are going to be like, why are these so low on the list? Shaun of the Dead and yeah. Zombieland. 
Yeah. Like sharing the position. I yeah. feel so much better right. right now. Well, here's the thing. I love the shit out of both of those oh, movies. Yeah. Like, I have a hard time choosing which one I like more. Sentimentally, I want to maybe give the edge to Shaun of the Dead, but Zombieland is fucking hilarious. It's got an astonishing repeat viewing value to it. Like, yeah. it's it's a really... My mom likes Zombieland. Yeah. yeah. You know? Like, yeah. It, it's, it just has a fun, bouncy quality. Yeah. And Shaun of the Dead, especially if you grew up watching the Romero zombie movies, yeah. it's basically slow blowing you like it's, yeah, it's like, like no no it's it's bought dinner and it's it's turn the lights down low and, and it's saying i i want to please you i love right, these movies tickle. so much and the only reason they're ranking this low is because they just are more funny than scary they, yeah they aren't scary that's that's the problem so yeah. i could tell you were worried because you were going to include Shaun of the dead so low and i suspected that i put it lower than either of you and it looks like that's the case i, Look, I feel I, this great okay, relief well, this is where i'm the bad guy i and once again it's in the honorable mentions i didn't put either oh and wow the, and the only reason why i didn't put either is because i see them as just kind of purely comedy they are jumping into obviously the horror genre because it's zombies and they bring the love and the gore uh, i love me both like <laughs> please understand if we were going to talk comedies or even just best films top 30 i think they would probably make it mm-hmm. it was just okay we're dealing with horror mm-hmm. and like it went back and forth and back and forth but it was just one of those no and no. this way i didn't have to put one on top of the other either. Is, yeah so, so this is so like, funny with all of my <laughs> Worry that yeah. <laughs> I rank those movies higher than either of yeah. you gentlemen. Like to the listeners at home, it's like I'm actually sad. Yeah, I, no. And Zombieland aren't on my list, but I just I had at some point had to turn it off and go. This is the list. We're so. two months away from a Zombieland sequel. Whether uh, we want it or yeah, not, here it comes. The funny thing, well, I'll, we'll obviously be talking about this again in a little bit, but recent viewings of them. Uh, because Shaun of the Dead is considered the more, you know, prominent of the two. Yeah. I had more fun watching Zombieland. And I think my... I I did not have... When I saw it in theaters, my brain was probably in a different place. Right. Where I liked it, but I didn't love it. I, I'm in the point where I, I, I love Zombieland now. Yeah. Still, I, I felt a lot of pressure that Shaun of the Dead is such an influential movie from this There's a lot this, of inside baseball decade. in Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, yeah. and... So we'll Zombie see as we get to that. Rely on that. Zombieland's teaching you about a zombie world. Yeah. Shaun of the Dead assumes you know. You already are, yeah. have seen Stewart's all of them. About Zombieland, Woody Harrelson. Yeah. Woody Harrelson. <laughs> I, I, he's so much fun. I, I, he's been nominated numerous times. I don't think he's ever won. No. He just gave us the gift of what's the lead character's name again? In, in, uh, Tallahassee. Tallahassee. With just yeah. Mwah. yeah. That's so my go. choice. Yeah. There you go. 20, uh, or 26. Number 26, and since we're talking about fun horror movies, and, I, and I'm including it on this list because it's, it's a movie that I've seen so many times uh, that I just couldn't... Yeah, I know. <laughs> then Earthquake is happening. It's a movie... It's a horror movie that I've seen so many times that it just became ridiculous that I just... It, it could, I, I, couldn't, I, I couldn't be off the list. Right. Um, and I couldn't believe how good it was considering that it was a versus movies. <laughs> but... And... You and I saw it together the first time. I have nothing but love for Freddy versus Jason. Here are two traditional wow. horror teen titans that come together. And I couldn't believe that I was actually going yee-haw in this movie. Now, I get it that it's, it's not, on some level, it's not a great movie. 
but it just became that right mixture of mwah, and it's so ridiculous that it's a over-the-top slapstick horror movie that and I said it, it, what made it be on the list is I've seen it so like wanting to wantingly wanted to see it so many times that at one point I kind of went there's a reason why it's here mm-hmm. and I shouldn't feel, feel any guilt yeah, or any shame so at number 26 I have Ronnie used Freddy versus Jason. You had fun, and, I, I, and you've returned to it. And I'm, I'm not going to argue that. I remember when I was a kid, and they were starting to produce like Batman's and all these movies, and and I would hear these rumors about, oh, they have these scripts that they're developing: Alien versus Predator, Freddy versus Jason. And for then years went by. I thought, oh, that was just a bunch of crap. And then these movies are released. I'm like, now I don't know if it was a cash grab necessarily, but. Uh, you can't take them seriously. I mean, they're they're just for entertainment and for fans of they are of the genre. And so, service. so I'm not yeah. I, I'm not going to jump down your throat over that. I mean, that's a that's that's fair. Here's the thing: it's a guilty pleasure movie for me. Yeah, it is. I, I already you know, I, I mentioned already, it a lot actually on I I, some recent. I made movies. my guilty pleasure pick for this list, so it's not going to be showing yeah. up here on this list. But I have a lot of love for it. But it's like comfort food for me. Yeah. yeah. And again, like Lee said, it's not that it's like great. It's that that I, I'm. Part of me is just happy that it exists. Yeah, you can accept <laughs> you can accept it more than some of the entries in their in their separate. Oh yeah, franchises sure. because I, there's there's ones where they go way off the rails. Hey, Ronnie, you makes energetic he does, sequences. Yeah. There's some really great stuff in it. There's some really dumb stuff in yeah. it. But yeah. all in all, it's just a good time. The Canadian. I, I, I was just surprised about how many things it got right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, and f- just the director itself, uh, who I, I love, like he, like, like you said, he makes a, a high energy, over the top, like go 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 movies. That it was just this right mix, and he, see, even seeing it for the second time in theaters, I said, I can't believe how right they got it. <laughs> <laughs> they know that this is stupid, yeah. and like us, they love that this is stupid. <laughs> so, like, I mean, the raver scene is just <laughs> yummy, <laughs> yummy. <laughs> So I'm I'm done. Okay, nice choice. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna kill the fun vibe Uh-oh. now. All right, uh, high tension. Uh, um, again, what, what I like about it is, uh, it, I was surprised how many non-English language films I ended up with on this list. I uh, just uh, it seems like we have this this killer and has no motivation for hunting down these women and beheading them and uh and it, it it's stuck in this uh um this this house and and there's this family uh and this character comes in and just kills the entire family and and just the the friend of the daughter uh knows how to survive and, and attack this guy and uh, i i liked a lot of the scenes i think i've heard you mention it in the past that there is spoilers a, a giant plot twist at the end yeah. and I think you have a problem with it and you I might do. talk about it in a moment I didn't have a problem with it because I, I kept unfortunately I went into my head at points and I was like why is this guy doing it like like normally normally especially in, in movies from this particular decade there's a reason for this killer to do these things um and that answered the question for me. It's not like um, a duel where we have no idea why that that truck is stalking that man. Uh, and that makes it more unsettling in some ways. And so maybe your point is that just leaving it that way would have 
my and better, is, but... No, my point is is that the twist doesn't hold up. If you no. watch the movie again, it doesn't make sense. The physical acts that this man does, like the, the this 90-pound woman shouldn't be able to pull off. He pushes a bureau across the room and mm-hmm. snaps a guy's neck with it. There's a car chase. How do we manage a car chase? Where the, she's driving in the that, car, her friend's in the back seat. But is that real? There's I mean, a car chasing them behind them. Well, the gas station attendant seems to acknowledge the other vehicle. I don't, I just, I think there's a difference between a twist that, like, fools us yeah. and a movie that lies to us. And you thought and it lied. this movie lied to me, mm-hmm. I think. Alexandra Aja, as a technical filmmaker, is fucking amazing. Lee and I just watched Crawl the other night. And yeah, I, had a blast yeah, I loved, uh, I loved Crawl too. I like the director too. and I like a lot about mm-hmm. the movie. I like the viciousness of the kills and the energy of yeah. the movie. Yeah. But when that twist fell out, I just felt my shoulders slump and went, really? Yeah. Oh no, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. So I'm like, 80% there with you. It's okay. that last 20% that I just can't I, 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 to. I, I mean, I don't know your opinion on it, but I but uh, <clears throat> but I, I knew it probably would not be on your yeah. list uh, because you have mentioned problems that you have with it, too. Um, spoilers, we will be talking about this movie again, but once again, I understand Larry's point of view mm-hmm. because when the twist happens, um, it doesn't make a lick of sense. I one of my one of the things that I think I've discovered myself about a movie goer is I love aesthetics a lot more sometimes over over truth of narrative. I'm okay. willing to buy that. Where Larry's a lot more story Larry story guy, yeah, yeah. story guy. Um, but it if you get that wrapped up in the twist, I can see it torpedoing you. Um, but I won't lie to you; it's on my list, and we're going to talk so about it. It has a lot of qualities. Yeah. Like I said, like technically, it's yeah. a really, really mean and well-executed yeah. mm-hmm. slasher. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I, 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 I have a lot of respect. Yeah, but I also get why he's like, nope. So, <laughs> and I feel like if it was in English language remake, I probably would have more problems with it. I just somehow, if it's Sometimes when it's an, not an American movie, right. I can get behind things, also, even if it's con- convoluted. For European listeners, if we have any this week, it's also known as Switchblade Romance. It's, yes, yeah. that's right. Yeah. That's yeah. The other it's title. more commonly known as Switchblade Romance on the other side of the ocean okay. than yeah. it is here. Yeah. So, All right. Uh, again, I, solid pick. I'm not mad. Mm-hmm. 26. This one surprises me. From 2008 and director Carter B. Smith, The Ruins. Yay! Okay. Um it's one of these bad trip movies where people mm-hmm. do things they shouldn't, go places they shouldn't, mm-hmm. and there are terrible consequences. And uh, the movie kind of never really let go of me. Like, I remember the first time I watched it thinking, shit, that was unpleasant. Like, I feel sticky and gross and sweaty mm-hmm. just like those characters, which I guess means it's effective. And then I re- re-watched it for the podcast, and I was like, damn, that, that movie is really visceral. It's really, like, in-your-face mm-hmm. ugly. And... Like, I just never completely shook it. And uh, it, it comes to mind. It's kind of an unpleasant movie, so I get it not coming to mind. Like, let's have a good time and watch The Ruins tonight. But it is a fucking effective horror movie. And mm-hmm. I really got to fucking hate those plants. Like, I, they're oh, yeah. inanimate, basically. But I was just like... Yeah, the, sounds, yeah. the sound they make it it's so annoying. Oh. So, uh, I, I don't know. It's uh, it, it, it made its way on the list. So there it is. Guess what, Parsons? We got us. And when you want to know why I have number 25? It's part of these there you go. The ruins. Um, oh, once again, closer. I'm gonna sort of just spit out the same sort of stuff that Larry just mentioned. That movie is a cold, cold cup of coffee <laughs> that really causes you indigestion. Um, the scene where they discover that the plants are echoing the screams and the and the cell phone is where I went. 
Oh. Forget the fact that this That's is creative. The, the plants that That's actually creative. go up into the wounds and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Cutting uh, the vines out of her leg and yeah. shit like and that. They have to, like, yeah, and they have to like cut off legs and arms. This, like, I, I, I have a fear this movie is going to like fall into the sort of DVD obscurity. You know, obscurity. And it's a shame because this is a full-blown horror movie. I remember when they were making this movie that, that you know, a lot of websites were excited about saying this book is really, really good and it's a terrifying horror movie. And you know, they had this sort of like this web, uh, I don't know, what, what's the word? Uh, there was a lot of hysteria on the web about mm-hmm. this movie and then it did nothing. Like it disappeared. Yeah, it came and went. Yeah. It came and went. Um, I can't say enough good things about The Runes. It is a strong, solid horror movie where things good things don't happen <laughs> and I like I said and it's and who knew that making plants scary was this hard shame on you the happening yeah. and, and, and anytime you want like Day of the Triffids like you like Day of the Triffids is a terrifying thing um, but anytime you want like a really full blown terrifying plants are evil movie here it is here is the runes yeah. because at number 25 yeah. I have the Ben Stiller produced the yes, ruins. Right. <laughs> Do you have any thoughts on the ruins? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it seemed there were a lot of movies that looked like this that were released at the same time, right. and so I missed it in theaters, and then for I, I I sought it out for this, watched it, and it was on my runner-up list. Okay, and yeah. I I get all of all of your points, and I just for whatever reason I I, I found movies that stuck with me a little bit more, and I, I don't know if it was just a little bit. Too much of that type of movie, I, but it's it's the, probably the best because there were what like Turistas and uh, it seemed like every week there was a movie that looked like this. These bad trip movies. And, yeah. But I, I would sort of hear rumors that oh the ruins is so, is so much better than than the rest of them and uh, uh, it yeah you could you could do a lot worse. It's a it is a, a very awful film and it just puts their characters in an impossible position, which you know from the very beginning, you know. I don't know. I, I, now, one, one thing I did like about it too, I, I just since I'm, we won't be talking about it again, is that you had that uh, the random was he German character yep. that leads yep. them to go to the ruins. Yeah. Initially, I thought, okay, he's he's gonna be the he's problem. yeah he's yeah. going to be the villain or it's yeah. like a hostile type of thing. Poor guy. And <laughs> no, he is he is probably one of the worst victims of this <laughs> yeah. uh, of this uh, this thing. So I will say that another sort of subgenre that showed up in the horror films uh, and the ruins is part of this is the whole you know, dirty white Americans who go visit a foreign country and mm-hmm. so arrogant and egotistic. Yeah. That cultural vengeance. Cultural yeah. vengeance that we at first are sort of yeah yeah let's kill those Americans but by the end you're like no. whoa the punishment <laughs> did not fit the crime. The one guy is going to be a doctor. I mean the, yeah you know, they, but they're like this really started to show up in this decade. It's mm-hmm. still there but it's 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 there. It's, in a way it's sort of like that Danny Boyle movie The Beach as a horror movie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What was your 25th ranking? Okay 25th this is where Zombieland uh, okay. fell. Love Zombieland. A lot of fun. Um, spoilers: one of the greatest cameo appearances of all time. And I mean, who would not want a zombie Bill Murray? Eh? <laughs> and I think I don't know if it was if Woody Harrelson is is why Bill Murray did it because he was. Was this a first feature for this director? No, 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 no. no, no, no. Ruben Fleischer. Ruben Fleischer. Yeah. Ruben yeah. Fleischer. Um, I don't know if he had a relationship with Bill Murray or, or how Bill Murray got connected to this. Uh, but that, sec- that section's cool, but all of the lead-up before that is, is 
And it's amazing. not like you have to wait around for that. You're being entertained the whole time, and mm-hmm. then fucking Bill Murray shows up, yeah. right? And great cast. I mean, the, you know, Emma Stone is in this before she hit it really big, and uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I had a lot of fun watching it again. I wasn't sure originally if it was going to even make my list, and I thought, well, I need to give it another chance. It's too much fun to not acknowledge. It's fun. It. I mean, yeah. I think I feel like there's lot. There's plenty of gore if you yeah. like your zombie zombie movies. You know, Dubre, I'm going to say that I'm wrong and you were right. This was his first big theatrical. Oh, okay. Didn't he do the one where the guy was forced to rob a bank again? That came later. Or was that That's after 2011? Between yeah. before that, he had like between two ferns with Zach Galifianakis, mm-hmm. right, and like some TVs. But this is this is his first feature. First. Okay, so but he was connected right. to the comedy world I'm enough wrong, dudes. to get uh, to get Marine uh, here on this date. Lee Beckham is wrong. Everybody, mark your count. <laughs> it's never happened before. Do you have anything else you want to say about Zombieland? Nah, I, like I have nothing but deep love for Zombieland, and I, I feel shame and dismay that it's not on my list. 25th place, yes. Uh, from Gore Verbinski. He actually came back to the horror genre recently for The Cure for Wellness. Mm-hmm. Kind of felt like I was one of the only people who liked that movie, but... Uh, you like uh, it too? Yeah. yeah, I like it. Yeah. Uh, he did the Long remake of The Ring with Naomi Watts. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I get that it's not aged particularly well. Like, it's it already feels like an old movie from 2002. But just for the experience of seeing this movie for the first time in the theater... It, it really kind of, it got to me. Mm-hmm. There was a couple of proper jump scares early in the movie, and then this intriguing mystery that everybody knows, if you watch the forbidden tape, you'll die in mm-hmm. seven days. Yeah. And of that ilk of PG horror movies that started the decade, I think it's one of the better ones of them. I get that its impact is lessened now, but I can't really overstate how effective it was. It, it, it was very important early in the, in the decade. Yeah. Yeah, I... Yeah, I, I, I kind of thought you might have it on the list. I, I had the original on my 90s list. It's it's not on mm-hmm. on the list for me, and but I, I respect the choice. It, 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 make, it makes on sense. the backstory way more than the original movie does. Mm-hmm. That, that disturbing sequence where the horse dives off the ferry, that's nowhere to be seen in the original movie, yeah. and I, 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 there's something about that scene, you know? Yeah. Oh, oh, this won't be the last time we're talking about it. Okay. Spoilers, yeah. it's on yeah. the list. Yeah. Um, I figured I'm it not, would be. I'm nodding my head. Yeah. 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 Like, like I said, the ring. I'm just surprised it's as low as it is. There it is. Okay. Yeah. I'm. I'm the jerk on this one because I, <laughs> I. I. I don't know why it doesn't work for me, but it. Um, at number twenty-four, um, I have the sort of sort of loving throwback to the '80s slashers that is Adam Green's Hatchet. Uh, this movie is short and a lot of fun. It also brings the red. In fact, it has one of the most horrific scenes of violence ever put on cinema. <laughs> that I mean, it even says uh, you know outgrosses uh, Cannibal Holocaust with its death. This movie is fun, fun, fun. And since right now, as we speak, Victor Miller and Seanus Cunningham are fighting over the rights of Friday the 13th. That's as close as we got. Um, we won't be getting a Friday for, I'd say, another five years, because that's uh-huh. where I think it's going. Uh, in the meantime, and your good friend Scott and I had this conversation about, well, hey, since Friday's not playing, let's throw some love out to Hatchet. And so here I am, yeah. Adam Green, saying, you're a good filmmaker. You maybe need to get away from the series and produce some more original horror. Not the thing Hatchet isn't original horror per se. But it's the right amount of... And, and even like the red shirts, are, they're a lot of fun. It's a harder movie to make than you'd think. Yeah. Have you any opinion on the Hatchet? I, I didn't get to it. Okay. It's I, fun. I feel... Can I tell yeah, you a story? Yeah, because I know, I know it's important. It's, yeah. it's, Can I tell you a story? Yeah. 
Uh, I, I remember seeing the movie and Lee hadn't seen it yet and I told him to watch the movie and that it's going to be a little rocky the first 20 minutes so a little you're not yeah. sure yep. what you're going to mm-hmm. get but then I'm going to tell him something's going to happen I didn't tell him what but something's going to happen you'll know it when it happens <laughs> yep. and you'll just relax yep. <laughs> yep. and I stand by that yeah. Okay. Uh, you'll know when it happens and you'll be like Oh. <laughs> oh, oh, this is what we're doing. Okay. Yeah, okay. I feel like I'm gonna be like Francis Ford Coppola here with my, you know, two thousands list Redux coming out after I, I'm writing down all of these mm-hmm. that I failed to see over the years. So, what's your twenty fourth selection? Twenty fourth. It was a movie that uh, that really, really performed well. Got lots of Oscar nominations. District Nine. Um, mm. And so I'm interested in in particular how Lee feels about it because. You've lived in the country where it's set, uh, but the whole alien invasion idea is an allegory for the apartheid, mm-hmm. and uh, it's got some really gory moments. Uh, it's very well written, well directed, terrific uh, effects throughout. And, oh yeah! And I, I really didn't know what I was getting into when I saw it. I, for whatever reason, I wasn't excited to see the movie in theaters, mm-hmm. and I saw it, I was like, "Holy crap! This is brilliant!" And then I. I was happy that the rest of the world kind of jumped on. Uh, Neil Bloomkamp, I, I'm not sure he's really achieved that kind of success with his follow-ups. No. But, uh, well, here's the thing, and maybe part of it is the diminishing returns it had through Neil Blomkamp, but I'm of, the, um, I'm of the unpopular opinion that District 9 is somewhat overrated. I do like mm-hmm. the movie. I do like it a lot. Yeah. But it's all about the presentation and the performance. It's actually riddled with science fiction cliches, mm. like like the him stumbling into the house the, uh, of the one guy who's actually building a spaceship underneath. Yeah, is like yeah. uh, the the you know whole savior thing that he goes through, yes. the transformation he goes through. All of this is the shit we've seen before, but we've never seen it with this style, and we've never seen it taken this serious. And that quasi documentary quality, Absolutely. I like. I like that. That it feels well. real world. Uh, and I think that it's one of those that because of that, I mean, it gets a lot of ten star reviews, where it's probably a seven or eight star movie for me. But I do like it a lot. I don't. I don't think. I mean, it was so big the year it came out. Oh yeah, yeah. And I'm not sure it's held in that high esteem now. Yeah. Uh, it's one of these best picture nominees that years later. Like, oh, really? It was a bold was... choice, but was it a right one? Yeah. Um, but I, I still I, think I, I love this movie. I'm kind of a little bit on Parsons' sides, where I think it, it nominated for best picture. I kind of went. Um, I, I I don't think the racist allegories are not so like they're not subtle. Mm-hmm. Um, never are. Yeah. Never are. No. <laughs> um, I can tell you. I mean, he is South African. Uh, the depiction of the Bura. Uh, you know those sort of militarized white rage people I think is pretty accurate I've met people well I've met people who were part of the Bura and uh-huh. you know uh, a good black person is a dead black person here's my gun sort of mm-hmm. mentality yeah. it's scary it's uh, really yeah yeah well yeah. South Africa can be a scary country um, I, I, I am hesitant to sort of you know that, that is not the South Africa I know obviously uh, the sort yeah. of increasingly violent Hypersized, violent movie. At the same time, there there's some really scary, deep problems in well, Cape Town, uh, in South Africa, to do with what racism and crime and class separation. Um, Would you rather see like a a straight on film about that as opposed to this, or was he? 
Oh, he's doing his own thing. I mean, you know. Remember when we talked about that Monsters Dark Continent movie? Yes, yeah. It, on that similar level, like, I really appreciate the movie because yeah. it's making people who wouldn't maybe otherwise think about this yeah. think about this. Right? Yeah. So I respect that for sure. And again, I don't think it's a bad movie at all. It's no, just a movie. No, no, no. It's a good movie. How many South African filmmakers have gotten into that kind of worldwide attention? Yeah. Or, well, I, I think a more movie that, that, that depicts. The struggles in South Africa uh, is Tutsi. Even oh I, yes, yes. I, I had. I yeah. actually. But does had that a... jump to people's mind before District Nine? No, it doesn't. Yeah. Clearly, but <laughs> that film won Best Picture at the Academy Awards for Best Foreign Film. Okay. Yeah. And I and I do think that depiction is a lot more intelligent and a lot more authentic. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I mean, they're talking about in, in District Nine. They are talking about the separations, what apartheid has done, and what happens instead of, you know, uh, people of African descent uh, being sort of the targets, here's this new race, these alien beings that they hate. I honestly think that, that the, the, the creatures in District 9 are really a substitute for colored people in South Africa, where yeah, mm-hmm. we used to have the whites hate the blacks, and the, and vice, and the blacks hate the whites, but together they really don't like colored people because mm-hmm. the colored people were a shining example because at some point a white person and a person person of African descent at least made love mm-hmm. and produced a child and so it represented a lot of their own flaws mm-hmm. and, and and so well, here, 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 here they hate the yeah. Weeds, yeah yeah but no I mean this is also part of I, true and so I, I, I found that angle because you see a lot of People from you know dark colored people from Africa. Oh, I hate the aliens. But at the same time, they're living uh, in poverty themselves. They're mm-hmm. living in townships, yeah. which was created. And by how the, many of them were born in, in South Africa? Exactly. Themselves. And so, but here, anyway, I think we're getting pretty deep in yes. the weeds. I'm looking yes. for Trevor Noah's uh, autobiography. I think is going to be made into a movie, um, and I'm lo- looking forward to that in a more realistic. Yeah. Look at we'll have so, a very very deep apartheid discussion yeah, in a yeah. podcast I, that, that, I, that has to do with that. I yeah. can't believe I'm saying this, but I honestly felt the over the top violence actually hurt District Nine somewhat. Okay, but that's I still liked it. Okay, in twenty fourth place, it's my turn to talk about the torture porn genre. I don't like the visceral violence stuff. The slow watching someone slowly be cut apart on the mm-hmm. table does nothing for mm-hmm. me. But there's something about the psychological torment that digs deep. I'm going to give special mention to The Strangers from 2008 by Brian Bertano because I think the suspense in that movie is really strong. But I'm going to give 24th place to Eden Lake from 2008 and James Watkins. Michael Fessbender is in this before he was really, really big. And uh, it's mean-spirited in a way that only like British movies seem able to accomplish. Are you shaking your head because you I'm shaking because I was trying. To, uh, it was on a list of, of movies I was gonna watch and I didn't get to it before okay. this. So yeah, well, it's, it's a bitter little pill. Don't get me wrong. Like I can, I can understand people walking away from this movie saying, "The fuck are you recommending?" But I'm talking about the torture porn genre. Yeah, and uh, uh, it's just one of these things where these people go to the wrong place at the wrong time, and shit starts to escalate, mm-hmm. and shit starts to escalate, and then shit gets way the fuck out of hand, and yeah. then it continues to escalate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's just this slow motion car wreck that you can't really look away from. The acting's really good, and it doesn't leave you feeling happy, but it definitely stays with you. I've yeah. heard it's a lot the of people. Of yeah, a lot of people would say that this is where funny games should be. This is the funny game slot. I'm gonna say it now, and if one of it's on one of your lists, respect. Fuck 
funny games. Oh, I don't like funny yeah. games. Buck no, it made me mad. Buck both of those yeah. movies. Yes, yes. Buck yes. funny games. Yes. Not on my last uh, yeah. uh, Eden Lake, if you haven't seen it, it's not it's getting more of a reputation these days, like yeah. ten or fifteen years later. But when it came out it was just another movie. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's because Fessbender has since popped, but yeah, that's it's amazing. ugly and worth your time. Yeah. Oh and also there were like seven of these being released each week and like yeah. which yeah. like how what, do you pick? What yeah. is what is the cream and what's the shit? I mean, yeah. you know, I yeah. I, I have it in my honorable mentions. It, the only reason why I didn't make my list is because I had other films in the sort of torture porn genre that I, I thought were maybe not better, but just like I, I there was other mentions I wanted to mention. I want I'm going to talk about it, but even like uh, he's in on my honorable mentions. I I agree with everything that you said. It's one of those. Oh my god, people! <laughs> what are you doing? Um, it's it's great. I highly recommend it. Uh, Eden Lake is good, but it's not on my list. Um, and yeah, the, the the strangers by Baron Bertina is one of those things that overperformed for me because yeah. it's very familiar in everything that's happening. Because there was the other one, and I get the two movies mixed up: the strangers and the other one with uh, Luke Wilson. Um, oh, vacancy! Vacancy. So the strangers is uh, Liv Tyler and uh, Scott Speedman. Uh, and these people in masks just show up and start terrifying them. It's not even about the killing and the murders. It's the way they torment them. <laughs> See, I, I feel like I've seen it, but I don't remember it. So... Right. Well, that's not high praise. No, I, I guess... But it's... here's the thing. like, It is a very familiar premise, and I've said this about Bertino before. My friend Matt and I reviewed this movie he did called The Monster, which is everything that you'd expect a monster movie to be, but just well executed mm -hmm. and that's kind of how I feel about The Strangers it's sort of an honorable mention here but it's a home invasion thriller and we've seen them before but mm -hmm. there's something about it that yep. stuck with me so I'll pass it to you Beckman at number 23 I have my second tie and this is sort of honoring what I would call the French extreme new wave uh, we've already talked about high tension mm -hmm. I don't want to mention anything more about it I think it is a well-made slasher thriller that um, Big Twist can totally make you not like the movie and understand why Parsons is nodding his head. But it's well made. It is, it is well made. Um, but also, the other film I want to talk about is a film Murders. called Inside. Oh. Inside is a nasty, nasty, like primal little pill. Um, and it also suffers from some twists and turns that could really jettison them, or not jettison, it could really hurt the movie. But I went along with it. Um, it has one of the greatest vil horror villains in the movie. Basically what the plot is is that the movie starts off with a car accident. And we then find out that our um, antagonist has lost her husband but is still pregnant. And it's, she's on the eve of giving birth. She, the next day she's going, being driven to the hospital to have a, a cesarean to get it induced. And a stranger shows up at the door, and it's this other woman, and she really wants this baby. Like, really wants Really it. wants this baby. <laughs> and it turns into a home invasion thriller that well. never says, like, never says no. Um, it's on this list for the last ten minutes. Okay. The last ten minutes of this movie, you feel rotten to be a human being. The violence is unreal. But that ending, man, like, it, it's, you, you need a hug. <laughs> you need a hug and a shot of whiskey. It's like if you want to feel bad about the world, it's like leaving Las Vegas, Requiem for a Dream, <laughs> Monsters Ball inside. Yeah. It's just this like. Oh, wow. Have you seen Inside? I haven't. It's. Okay. I mean, it's, I feel like we have a list of thirty to, to watch. After the this. violence is unreal. Yeah. It, it's. It's. It, I found it really well made. Once again, I get why you would hate this movie. Um, uh, I thought you were gonna say Martyrs when no. you were saying your positive. No. This is the other one. Like. 
is hard French cinema where we yeah. see women just brutalized. Mm-hmm. And then inside, not only do you get the treat of seeing a woman brutalized, you get to see a pregnant woman brutalized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do I find that entertaining? No, I don't. Is it well made and well acted? Yes, it is. I just, for me personally, I just don't get any enjoyment out of it. Uh, even Martyrs, which like I could understand that being on your, one of you guys' lists because I mean it's a torture porn movie that is about something. Uh-huh. It's just so wall to wall fucking unpleasant uh-huh. that I just I, I I there was room to put Dagon. I will I will feel better about Dagon being on my list. Mm, and it's yeah, like, I get it. It yeah. is a capital H horror movie and yeah. it is fucking horrifying. Like yeah. respect, but it, it's not on my. To list. me, it's the ending. It's it's the ending. And there's another movie that we'll talk about where the ending is so darkly nihilistic. And I think it's kind of representative of, you know, what this decade, the innocence was gone. Yeah. And you could argue that we're seeing a pregnant woman severely tortured and that's taboo. I get it. I think the acting of both our villain and our lead is so choice that when that ending happens, like you're just going, oh, I I cried. Yeah. I cried. And I went, okay, this movie is powerful enough that I can't leave it off the list, but it's just... Oh, you got lots of horror homework, Dave. I, I do. <laughs> this one sounds like this one does sound like homework, though. No, yeah. because it, I, the ending, the ending uh, is what really because makes when because I've heard you talk, Larry. I've heard you talk about some of these with these violence against women, and you get no pleasure out of these yeah. movies. And I'm like, yeah, I think I'm ultimately more on your side with this, but I, tell, I can respect what but they're because, doing, but I just but I also know. Like if if you're putting it on here, it, it must be, it must be solved. It's not just the violence against women because other people come into the house at certain points. It's grueling. It's just the grueling. It's, it's an endurance test. Yeah. So it's not just women suffering. Like at, at certain points, the cops are called and there come friends of this woman are called and they come in, uh, and our villain takes care of them. So it does become a home invasion thriller. Um, but if you struggle with seeing a beautiful pregnant woman lose everything then you will have a problem with this movie fair enough (laughs) all right number 23 on my list is another stephen king adaptation from a quite a short story which is exaggerated i think on the whole effectively 1408 okay yeah um and uh um mikhail hofstrom is the director uh this is very much the john cusack show and i I know there's some hate on for John Cusack in some circles, but I'm a huge John Cusack fan. When he's on, he when he's great. on, and he's on in this one, and uh, you know, it's just one of these things where this—he's—he's he's this writer who is so cynical uh, because he's always being told to check out these uh, hotel rooms where there are ghosts. And he doesn't believe any of this, and he goes to New York, and he's warned and warned and warned, and, and they won't book it. Like, most of these places want him to come in and write about their hotels to get business. This high-profile hotel in New York does not want him to stay in there. Samuel L. Jackson um, plays, and it's kind of an interesting role for him, this this uh, hotel manager who t- tries to talk him out of it, does everything, but it doesn't work. And Cusack actually wants to stay there, and it is it is a psychological nightmare and it's claustrophobic and you think well there's several rooms it's not like a small small hotel room but I I feel like if if there had been a version of The Shining where we were stuck in one room in the Overlook Hotel uh, 
for a long, long period of time. That's what this would be. And there are moments where it seems like there's hope and, and again, it's taken away, maybe not as dramatically as in The Mist. So uh, I, I really like it. I, the source material I loved. I remember reading that collection and that story stuck with me. And I, I was I was pleased to see movie versions of these. I mean, they, Slowly they, they they'll milk all of Stephen King's... Uh, one of the ones I re- read recently that I'm surprised, unless I'm wrong about this, it hasn't been turned into a movie of some kind, is Eyes of the Dragon. But, right. but no, they, they'll happen. take it... Yeah, they take everything mm-hmm. that he's ever written. And I, I think they did a pretty faithful job. And they, they exaggerated in the right ways. Because I... If to be totally true, there's no way that it would be a what ten minute film or something. Well, it's a one of the longer stories in the book. I think yeah. that the my the flaw for me is that they do kind of stretch the story to the breaking point a little bit mm-hmm. in the movie. It just, uh, but if you're a fan too much of, LA, in yeah, there. If you're a fan of John Cusack, you safe bet, safe bet. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's a really solid Stephen King adaptation, and these don't happen as often. I wish I could find a place for it in the top 30. Yeah. I did not. I do like it, and I do think it's nice that we get the John Cusack show, and he comes in. Because where I'm at with John Cusack is I'm a wannabe John Cusack. Because, mm-hmm. you know, back in the day, he gave us some really good stuff. I, I love High Fidelity. Oh, I love me too. Point Blank. Yeah. And like, yeah. um, I kind of feel like he's one of these guys, and I mean, I'm making it up, because I've never talked to the man, but mm-hmm. he's just been making movies since he was like 12 years old. And sometimes I just feel like he's over it. You know, he, just he will <laughs> admit, he said, these are the films that I've done that are worth watching, the other ones not so much. Yeah, I and mean, if he can say that, yeah. and and if I can see it on his face. Um, to me, if you're getting paid that much to, to act, try. Yeah. And I kind of resent mm-hmm. it when I feel like he's not trying. I, I Happily got, in 1408, he shows up for work. I, I could could have met him if I'd gone to the Calgary Comic Expo, because he, right. he, he's doing that circuit these right. days, too. Mm-hmm. And it, I, I would have liked to have done that but it's so freaking expensive for those things and so yeah. again I don't I don't I, I want to I want this idea of my head of him being a super uh, uh, nice warm mm-hmm. person to, to continue he's to very political these days he's yeah. very he's a very political guy yeah. these days and, yeah. well, do you have any thoughts on 1408 um, once again I think it's a pretty strong solid uh, horror thriller uh, there's just to me there were so many good movies that it it, it didn't make the list I, I have nothing against it. I, I think it's an adequate Stephen King adaptation. Um, there's nothing wrong with it per se. I, I, it, it's just there's so many, to me, so mm. many stronger horror films than 1408. Okay. Okay. But and I, I have a bias towards King, so no, I, mean, I, I really like the King stuff. I have I have nothing yeah. but love King. Yeah. Yeah. You're gonna see some King rank high on this list. Uh, so, in my 23rd position, uh, this was a tough one. Uh, I will give an honorable mention to The Orphanage, which oh, I okay. think is really good. Spanish, no, it is so good. Uh, I'm actually going to give the slot, and again, this kind of surprises me, but I revisited and liked it a lot. The Others. Alejandro Almendabar, yeah. Nicole Kidman, Christopher Eccleston. Uh, I think the it did very well actually theatrically, but the big hurt that, that the others had against it was that it came out so close to the Sixth Sense, yeah. and that it was in a lot of ways quite similar to that. I think yeah. it was all one. Yeah, they do yeah. have. Uh, yeah, I think Sixth Sense was ninety nine, so they're pretty close. But people were more familiar and like waiting for the twist to yeah. kick in. Yeah, yeah. And That's I think thing. that the more this movie ages and the separate, the more separation you get from that. Yeah. The fact that it is a period piece and the fact that it is, I think, one of the stronger performances I've seen from Nicole Kidman. Yeah. And the fact that those two little kids yeah. are yeah. 
fantastic. They are great. Mm -hmm. uh, the stakes are really settled why when we first meet these kids and they have this light allergy where the sunlight itself can kill them like these yeah. poor little vampires yeah. and they're trapped in this mansion this yeah. dark candlelit mansion by necessity with their yeah. mom and they're going out of their fucking mind and they want to be kids so yeah. 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 and uh, it really works for me it really works for me and it's one of those ones when I first saw it I thought it was fine it was okay it's yeah. a solid movie but it just has grown. Yeah. It's just grown in its esteem. And, uh, You're not going to get an argument with me. The two movies you've mentioned are likely to be mentioned okay. again. So It was like I wanted to do a, represent a proper haunted house yeah, movie, and, and I couldn't decide between yeah. those And two. I wasn't doing ties, so mm -hmm. that's the thing I was struggling with. Is like, They're both very similar in style. Both and, very somber and, stories when yeah, you get down to it. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah I, I, well, once again, I agree with you. I think part of the reason why the others didn't make my list or and and the orphanage for different reasons was that it came so close after the sixth sense that I knew there's there was a twist but I didn't know what it was but within minutes I kind of thought I won't I won't spoil it but I figured out the twist early on yeah. and once that happened it, it became sort of a waiting game it's technically well made it's beautiful to look at I agree with you that Nicole Kidman brings her a game the children bring their a game it's just that I figured out the twist early on. Uh, and so it wasn't a surprise. And like I said, it was a waiting game. It's good. Uh, I haven't seen it in a couple of years. Um, but it's not on my list. There's something so tragic about it. Like, the, the, the essential story, once it's all played out, is Oh, so it is, all, it is yeah. very sad in both cases. A lot of ghost stories are, though. They're, yeah, essentially tragedies. But yeah, that's my 23rd, The Others, with a little honorable mention for The Orphanage. Huh? I haven't seen a car in 50 miles. You know what I just thought of, right? Kenny and Darla. You believe that story? Not that they did go looking for her head. They only found the car. They never found her head. What's he doing? The hell is that? He dumped something down that pipe. Wrapped in a sheet. Is this your idea of a little adventure? I'm just gonna look. Hello! You know the part in scary movies where somebody does something really stupid and everybody hates them for it? This is it. Every 23rd spring, for 23 days, he gets to eat. Eat. What the hell is that thing? It's stuck in reverse! He must have five, maybe six hundred bodies down there. You've got something it likes, one of you. I know that Lee has a big love for Jeepers Creepers, and he always has. Like, I remember the first time I saw it, you were showing it to me, and you couldn't fucking wait to show it to me. You were very excited about it. And, uh... And I, I really, like, I, I locked in, especially with the first third of the movie, mm. and I just felt like the deeper into the movie, the kind of lamer the movie got. But overall, I mainly liked it, but it, it, didn't, it didn't have this large looming thing for me. Yeah. But you, talk, you bring it up, it comes up in conversation with you quite often. You were on the Terror Table podcast talking about it. Yeah. Like, you've reviewed a full-length review of this before, and given yeah. the choice to choose any movie you wanted, you chose to do another full-length review of it so what the fuck is it about jeepers hmm. creepers that you're so excited about because like i'm gonna mostly defend the movie like yeah. i don't hate the movie and i don't think the controversy 
should be the conversation mm-hmm. about the movie necessarily. Yeah. But all things aside, it's okay. What what the fuck? <laughs> that's 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 my opening salvo to you. All right. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I, have you noticed that my sleeves are rolled up? Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm ready to talk. Look, Jeepers Creepers is a fascinating movie uh, for many reasons. One of them is Victor Salvo, but I'll get to that. Uh, right off the bat, we get a genuinely well-designed monster. So that's why I sort of sit and turn a little bit like, really, you're, you're going to say it's okay? The fact that this creature has got like nostrils, the design of it, uh, and it's got nostrils coming out of its nose, it's got wings, it's... It's, it's got nostrils coming out of its nose, Don't, doesn't everyone? But it's got numerous. I see. Okay. A yes. multiple nostrils. Yeah. Plethora. Plethora. For me, it's a dude in a suit and a Halloween mask, <laughs> and he has wings sometimes. Like, even compared you are, to the you are, dis- you are disrespecting the creeper, and I will not have this in <laughs> look, this podcast. Look, so. Jason Voorhees isn't the most conflict, complex image, but for me, it's, it's in a way got more staying power. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a monster goes, if the thing is a monster made of Boro pieces, yeah. it looks like a dude in a suit and a Halloween mask. And I'm glad that they keep it in the shadows as much as they do, frankly. I, I agree that the more we see of the creature, the less terrifying it is. Right. But just as a general concept of what it does, it's fascinating to me, considering the creator, writer-director, uh, Victor Salvo, that this is a creature that genuinely hunts down and swallows you know, huge chunks of little boys' bodies. Uh, it's kind of terrifying... It, that in itself. So you're saying that Jeepers Creepers is Victor Salva dealing with his psychosis of uh, child molestation in the way that uh, Antichrist is Lars von Trier dealing with his depression? Yeah. Like they're both grinding their axes just in different ways? Yes, that's what that's, that's an interesting comparison. That, that's a roundabout way of doing it as well. And, and it's and it, this is solidified if you watch the end sequence, and it's hard to see, but playing by the uh, recorder at the end when the creeper is ripping apart Justin Long and you're hearing it, mm-hmm. there's a photo of, of a young Victor Salva and he's coming out and saying, yes, I am the creeper. This is, a film where, this is a film where he is working out the demons of being a child molester. Uh, and it's, it, once you re- kind of realize that, it's, it, well, it's a confession in a lot of ways. It, it, it's a, if it's that's really, true, yeah. I just like the movie a little bit less. That's fine. That, yeah. That's great. Because uh, like, then that is the art. And the, when we were talking about judging... I can separate people. it if it's an evil demon movie. Yeah. And then, you know, I, whereas once well, I would I say... I understand you wanting to separate that, but... But I get, like, whereas once I said, that's a really creepy scene where they, they, they're describing how the creeper was sniffing the laundry. But then when I put this ugly child molester bent on it, then it just becomes this perv thing, right? Uh, I, in, in a way, I He's like it more. playing in ugly waters, I, I, and, I, and I understand Should you we respect him for having the, quote, balls to do that? But... Is that what he's doing, or is that what we're seeing because of the controversy? Um, you could argue either other way, but I find those coincidences too compelling. He puts to himself in there. He I didn't, the I didn't know that else, until he told me. Why else would he put himself in there? That worries so, me a bit more than... Um, but turning it, your, it is interesting that he casts himself as the monster. Um, but then again, what, what are you doing but turning your crime into a piece of entertainment? Confession, I would say. And... He, it's as much of a confession as Kevin Spacey playing his House of Cards character on last year on on YouTube. Yeah, on YouTube, yeah. which was such a stupid decision. I uh, say there's going to be more information that you're going to know about me, and, and it's like, what 
who advised you to do this? This is yeah. you're making things so much worse. Okay. And yeah. Once again, I want to back I up the plot into because that. once yeah. again we've d- dived into it. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sorry, yeah. I didn't mean to start in such an aggressive stance. Like I no, said, no, no, no. I don't I, mind the aggression. I'm just going to say, like right off the bat, really, you're you're calling the creeper a man in suit. I I, I find that disrespectful. Son, that's how I feel. That's that's, that's fine. I, I respect I'm the decision. Probably closer to Larry in this one. I just think you're both wrong, but that's uh, okay. That's a okay. brother and sister who are really well acted. Gina Carano. What's her name? Gina Phillips. Phillips, thank you. Yeah. And Justin Long. And one of the more roles that I've connected with him, honestly, I typically find him kind of a bland actor. Yes, yes. Justin uh, Long. But yeah. gen- typically, I'm For not sure. like, woo, Justin Long. Every yeah. now and then, he shows up. I had but, no excitement about seeing him and dragging me to hell. Right. Okay. But he has I, more to do in this. I really liked Derry in this, and I really liked the yeah. relationship with the sister, yeah. and I really liked that they took the first 15 minutes to make us know them and like them a little bit before yeah. the scares started, mm-hmm. so that it's, we it's, gave a shit. It's did you actually like them? I did. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I, I respected their dynamic. I get that he's a bratty kid, and she's a bossy older sister, and they had their problems, but I understood the dynamic. It was familiar, and I got it. So that when they started making these increasingly bad horror movie decisions, mm-hmm. I was just like, oh, come on, you guys. But it wasn't blowing the meal for me because yeah. I wanted them to get through to the other side of the story. Yeah. And the slow introduction of the Creeper is done very well. I yep, think. We I first agree. see him driving in a car yeah. and then we sort of see shadows and silhouettes mm-hmm. and he's described to us. And in those scenes, he's scary. Yeah. But to go back to where I started... The deeper we get into the movie, and the more we see this guy, and when the decapitations and the mm-hmm, smiling mm-hmm. Halloween face starts showing up, I'm not scared. No. I'm kind of bemused and amused, but all of the scare is out of the movie by the third act. Mm-hmm. Uh, it still has that bummer ending, and it doesn't give you the ending you want, and it's sort of got that memorable, to-be-continued vibe to it. You know, franchise me, franchise me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, uh, I wasn't against the idea of more Jeepers Creepers, but I wasn't excited as excited as I felt like you were as I was yeah. supposed to be um, and uh, I, I I just really really love the first act I really like the second act and by the third act I was starting to check my watch a little bit really I, yeah, quite kid, a bit. yeah. I, I, I shake my head um, <clears throat> clearly Victor Selva is a very skilled director I, I love the homage with the opening shot to, you know the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and then we mm-hmm. have a Hitchcock homage where the vehicle comes like all the way back. This is a man that loves film. He loves filmmakers and he loves the genre and just all these little, little loving tributes that he uses as sort of skill sets. I, you know, as an art teacher, I love the sort of uh, Hermannius Bosch uh, sort of tip of the hands when we get down into the creeper's lair and he not only discovers like the one body all tied up, but then we see like all the bodies sort of almost apocalyptic, uh, you know, of the devil off they're of so the ceiling. so dry, they're like almost wood. Yeah, huh? yeah. Formed like, into the wall. Yeah, like that's well, The whole a, layer and the pipe, the body such, drop pipe, yeah. I thought I, I thought that was it pretty worked. cool. Yeah. The farmhouse. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This um, is all I like, again. I like seeing him from a distance, like you said. This yeah. is all again the first half an hour of the movie. Huh? Yeah, no, I, I, I hear you. It's all really well executed. I love the scene with the di- yeah, that the, that the diner is well. That if, you know, th- there was a temptation to go into some cliches in there. I, yeah. I thought... They, they did some things in there you talked about they, they make some bad mistakes mm-hmm. that horror movie characters make but that was a very logical reaction like they, there are other people and in a lesser movie the people in there are like 
oh, those kids are crazy, let's ignore them or something, and then they'd be stuck being chased by the creeper and nobody in the town would notice this. Right. Here, the police get involved and there is actually, like, some stuff that happens. It was There's also, also the old psychic lady who shows up and knows. I didn't. I had a problem with yeah, that. See, and, I, and I agree that I think that's where that's one of the weak links <clears throat> of the movie is like she's more used as a plot device than anything else. I, I thought that was a bit of a stretch. I'll give you that. Uh-huh. Um, getting back to the brother and sister, I th- like they have a good five minutes of character introduction, and then we get you know obviously the creeper coming to visit. But yeah, the first. 15 minutes we really you know buy and get to love this whole brother and sister you can tell they love each other and also driving each other uh, in you know crazy just being around each other it was just very authentic uh and you know the dialogue very i'm not i wouldn't say cliche cliche but just you 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 bought it you believed it right um and i loved the performances of both of them like it was so enough that when, when the ending does happen i i was really, really feeling for the Justin Long character. Well, I, I, I like the concept that the yeah. thing is collecting body parts, yeah. but it's not sure what it wants from you or who maybe necessarily it wants. So yeah. the stalking isn't just it fucking with you. It's actually, yeah. there's purpose. There's a reason. There's yeah. purpose for yeah. it. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's this, the whole sequence with the police officers where it, like all of a sudden it, it, it completely emerges from the shadows. Yeah. Up until this point, there's been suggestions and silhouettes and stories. And now it's in full light standing on top mm-hmm. of it with this weird jack-o'-lantern smile and decapitating cops with this big side-looking fucking thing. Yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. once, it, once it stepped out of the shadows and, and was sort of, hello... Yeah, you've lost the... I, I, the mystique was gone. And, um, you know... Also, I, I mean, in that situation, why are the brother and sister driving by themselves? Why is there not a police officer with yeah. one of them, you know, and the other's riding along, but then... To play devil's advocate, again, because I don't hate this movie just has some images. He pulls the tongue out of the severed head. Yep. That thing on mm-hmm. the highway. That, mm-hmm. That's that's pretty fucked mm-hmm. up. Yep. And I guess like the first time that you realize it sprouts <coughs> wings and that part of its, you know, skill set is that it can stalk you from above. Yeah. It added an extra wrinkle where all of a sudden like you, yeah. you have oh, to no. watch like, I, I not just is, your back but above. This is a terrifying creature and mm-hmm. it's beautifully well designed. And that's something that none of the other, you know, Slasher when not, we don't have a lot of flyers. <laughs> yeah. No. So I, I mean I mean that's maybe faint praise, mm-hmm. but I'll give it that. I, yeah. I like it a lot more than Drag Me to Hell. Um, I love the mythology of it. I love the rules of this universe. Um, I just I, I, I feel like <clears throat> this particular decade needed a Freddy Krueger, and this is the Freddy Krueger, but it's uh, it's a special effect. Right. You know, it's not. But he doesn't have the cheesy one-liners. That's true. Yeah. But the the movies do increasingly have their cheesiness. Yep. 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 I I am not disputing that. But. Because yeah, uh, I I I had forgotten about that the director was the director of Powder and all of that and. Yep. And then and I was looking at that after and something. What what an odd choice to make this. You know, well, did, did he want it to be that close to what had happened, and then you're adding another layer to it that it's a terrifying. But movie. I don't like to. I really don't like to go and it's a confession and, and and treat this movie. I want to treat it as as a horror movie that's made by this guy who, in his personal life, has 
It's hard really to separate the man from the movie if the man's not separating himself from yeah. the movie. Yeah. I'm going to talk some shit about Lars von Trier. Uh, I don't like the person. When yeah. we're talking about mm-hmm. Antichrist, mm-hmm. Uh, he's certainly not a child molester. He's like yeah. he's not mm-hmm. someone who's done time for grooming, you know, basically seducing, hunting, and like it, it's horrifying. It's horrifying. Um, but like I use I, I I got this feeling like in any given movie, there's hundreds of people involved. Yeah, there's probably. It's you such know, a collective uh, art, yeah. There's 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 a rapist in that group. There's a racist yeah, in that group. Yeah, there's yeah. a there's a guy who beat his kids in that group. Like, uh, are we not allowed mm-hmm. to watch a movie that's made by somebody who's done bad things? Yeah. Or when and where and hard. And it's a hard, not easy thing to answer because like the more he mixes himself into the movie, the more I feel gross for having watched it. And look, it's great that he. I, I understand. Artists put themselves into their work. I understand that, but you know. This dude is a legit child molester. Uh-huh. It, 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 it's not one of these things where he was he was 17 and his girlfriend was 15 and then all of a sudden she turned 16, he turned 18, and he was statutory raping. No, this guy hunted children, right? Uh-huh. He's bad. So uh, it's a tough thing for me. Usually I take the approach of fuck all of that because what does that have to do with the movie? But in this case, it's kind of insisting itself a little bit, isn't it? Yes, it is. So if I have to take that seriously, and if he wants me to take that seriously, your movie just became significantly less fun and significantly Mm -hmm. more gross, and I do like it a little bit less. Maybe that's wrong, but I genuinely do. (laughs) Like, I'm feeling mixed mixed feelings about actually liking this movie. Like, it's a thumbs-up review for me. Not an enthusiastic thumbs up, but it has some problems. But that but, part is not. But does all with me. art have to be good to be have value? This is a man who'd already he'd already done his time. He he'd did his time. Jail. Yeah. He'd done. He went to jail. He is deeply, deeply apologetic. <coughs> he is working, he's making he's wor- money off of it, like working he's profiting out off demons. of this. But he's In making it, money out of it, right? This is this is his personal therapy now, and he's like people do that with their art, and good for them. But okay, should we pay money is, for it? Should William, we? What William S. Burroughs, he was he did the same thing. He was a huge drug addict. He slept with little boys. He's written about it. Um, it you know, should we stop reading him and or you know giving it some sort of value because of it? But um, I I understand the desire to not give money to it and. Say I, 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 out of political moral choices, I'm not going to see this. But at the same time, this is a human being that has gone through the process of doing it, got caught, is dealing with the demons of all of that, and putting that onto a canvas known as film. Um, Could he make a documentary about uh, this is what I was like, and this is you know this is the process I've gone through, this is where I'm at now, <clears throat> so that we have a, a better understanding of like the mind of a child molester uh, and then release that film instead of creating a, a very be, popular genre piece that a lot of people go so thinking. much easier if the movie sucked yeah well, it would be so yeah. much easier if the movie sucked uh, it's a complicated issue and mm-hmm. I don't have a clean answer for you I'll tell you this. My guess, if uh, Francis Ford Coppola knew now, well, he knew he knew about it all along. He produced Clown House. He knew about it all along. 
He knew exactly what. So the movie he just was. believed enough in the filmmaker that he figured the talent. He also knows what Jeepers Creepers is about, and 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 how he's starting to apologize for it. It's even more prevalent in the second one. He he is working out. Is he is he apologizing for it? Oh yeah, he's apologized quite a bit through interviews. Whether you believe him or not is entirely up to you. I mean, I don't know the man, but like, it's. So I appreciate that. Just just because he's a monster and he's paid for his monstrous crimes, he's trying to work out his demons in in an art form, and I don't think he should be punished for that. Well, if you want to punish him for his crimes, I get it. But, I'm not punishing him. No. I'm just having the conversation. And, yeah. and I think his movie should be released. But I, I think you are sort of punishing that, saying, you know, I like it even less. Because, you know... I'm being honest. I'm I, not I, saying that's I, right. Yeah, yeah I know. I know honest. you are. I know you are. Here, but Here's what I'm struggling with. In the year 2019, there's certain filmmakers, their movies are not being released, and they're being held hostage by studios yeah. for allegations that yeah. have not been substantiated. And, when are they going to uh, stop? And they are not putting the supposed crime or alleged crime into the films that they're making, but they're just not releasing them. Yeah. Uh, it, Baby Driver is a great movie. If it had been released six months after its summer release, it, it would have tanked because of Kevin Spacey uh, being in it. And, and it's, it's a weird time uh, for this. If he's apologized... I think he should have a right to earn a living and do what he does. Look, I understand why people run away from Victor Salva. I get it. It is not an easy conversation to have. One of the things I think makes this a little more palatable for me is that he's already gone to jail and will always be in some sort of jail because of it, because he got caught. Um, But considering some of the artists that I love truly and deeply are exercising their demons in a rather healthy way, I might add, yeah, in, in an art form, uh, and trying to tank, tackle with that psyche, I am not going to condemn them for it. There's a lot of mean people, like people still in jail. The Marquis de Sade was a serial rapist. Mm-hmm. And he well, talked I, about... I, at no point was I defending the Marquis yeah. de Sade. But the, the point is, yeah. like, uh, it makes me uncomfortable. For yes. some, and maybe yeah. that's wrong. Maybe mm-hmm. that's wrong, but it does. It yeah. does make me uncomfortable. It is a, a good movie, though. We can all agree it's yeah. a good movie. I'm, it's a slippery slope too because yeah. I, I don't believe in like I, I what I said before is usually I just try and separate myself unless yeah. it's insinuating itself into it. Mm-hmm. And in a way, I feel like this one kind of is asking me to to confront it. Yeah. So if asked to confront it, yeah, I think you're fucking gross, dude. And I think yeah, working yourself out, you you deserve to have that right to work your shit out in the art. But should I should I pay to participate in that? I don't know. Uh, but the other side of the argument is is that once you start down the slippery slope, well, let's just stop re-releasing Roman Polanski movies. Because yeah. that dude's a fucking predator. And you know what? Stanley Kubrick psychologically destroyed Shelley Duvall. And that wasn't just about him getting a performance out of her. He fucking enjoyed doing it. Because he was a shithead and, and about she, that. She did so work after that movie. Any, yeah, no, 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 she worked. She worked she, a she lot. She did just fine. She but, did all these fairy tales. Yeah. But, no. but the point is... Like, once we start saying, well, this guy did this, so we shouldn't watch mm-hmm. any of his stuff, <clears throat> where does it end? It's censorship. I agree. Yeah. I'm just saying, because it's it's directly asking mm-hmm. me to confront that component, that does make me feel a little bit grosser about the movie than I yeah. would otherwise. Well, yeah. and he's not making a movie about... Yeah, but this is horror. <laughs> this is where the ugly can get explored and celebrated. I'm not saying drama doesn't, but... 
this is something where you know taboo subjects are played around in poker. He's with. using it to deal with his like the predator instinct, and the monster yeah. is sort of the physical manifestation of his child molesting instinct or whatever. Yeah. That that you know that that's fucked up and gross. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, make a painting, draw it out, write your you know write a journal entry or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. It, somehow profiting off of that in any way seems gross to me. Okay. And participating in it. Uh, and I like I think we can wrap it up because we've kind of stopped talking about the movie at some point and that's the that's what I was afraid problem. of with this is I'm like again, I'm torn about that that aspect of the movie. On a basic monster movie level I can have fun with it in the way I could with a Friday the thirteenth or like a yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. Yeah. But those are sort of as much as I love them, they're yeah. empty and fun. But yeah. if this is seriously about a child molester making things okay for himself, <laughs> it's a shade grosser than I want. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. So at number 22, uh, I have one of the movies we are talking about. One of the movies that I chose and I and I utterly find fascinating is Victor Salva's Jeepers Creepers. I don't know more. Like I said, we are going to talk about it, so I'll keep this short and sweet. But 22, Jeepers Creepers. All right. Again, uh, it didn't quite make my list. It's not necessarily controversy around the movie. I'm with you for the first third of that movie. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll talk about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. In 22nd position. 22nd. All right. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to get beaten up about this one. Uh, and there are technically other versions of this that you could look at, but it's the Grindhouse experience. The movie Grindhouse, okay. directed by Robert Rodriguez and Quentin Tarantino. So, so much fun. Uh, three hour uh, plus movie in, in cinemas because we have these two uh, films that are cut up with missing reels. And these wild uh, coming attractions, some of which were produced and turned into movies. Machete came out of this, Machete. and Hobo and, and uh, Hobo with the shotgun. And I, I, I want to see that one uh, with Nicolas Cage, <laughs> but it was I don't it was never made. Um, I, I, and I, I've always, I, I really, really, I put it on my ten best of that particular year, and. I, I clung more to Death Proof, really? um, even though it, I thought it's too good to be a Grindhouse movie. Like This is only my, my criticism of it. It's too good to be a Grindhouse movie. Planet Terror felt like an authentic Grindhouse movie. Last time I watched it, I, I warmed up to Planet Terror a, a lot more. It is creative. It is Robert Rodriguez uh, yeah. doing what he does best. And uh, yeah, I, I like both movies for, di- for different reasons. And uh, the only thing that I and I, I don't know if it's even worth mentioning in here is like the horrific stuff that happened to Rose McGowan. It was around this era, so and she's so prominent in Planet Terror and kind of makes her appearance in, in Death Proof. I, I don't know if it's was she having an affair with Robert Rodriguez at the time? Yeah, point, yeah. yeah and and I don't know. It was kind of a complicated time there, but I really like it. It's it's the rare Quentin Tarantino film that lost a lot of money. 
Well, I mean, I'm halfway there with you. I yep. really like Planet Terror. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think Death Proof is easily the worst thing that Quentin Tarantino really? has put his name to personally. I don't, again, it's not terrible. I don't think he's going to make an outright terrible movie, but it's never been my favorite one. And I also find it really weird that they played Planet Terror first. Mm-hmm. For me, like, I guess the marquee name on, like, Rodriguez has his audience, but Tarantino was going to be supposedly the guy bringing butts into theaters. Yeah. yeah. But because the pacing of Death Proof is so sluggish, yep. especially the first hour of that, yeah. both of these movies, by the way, benefit of having things taken away from them. Well, yeah. You can you can you buy... watch the stand. I haven't watched the standalone Planet Terror, but I have Death Proof. Yeah. yeah. And they don't need another 15 minutes. Neither movie needs another 15 no. minutes, but you yeah. can watch them that way. Um, but for me, I think I would have put Death Proof first, and then that energetic sort of, you know, say what you want about Planet of Terror, yeah. it fucking moves. Yeah. At least you're, you're Lots of energy numb yeah. by yeah. the time you left the theater. I thought that was a mistake. And again, I just, for me, the, I, I'm soft, soft, soft for zombies. I just thought yeah. Yeah. the first half was so significantly better than the second that it yeah. kind of and spoiled the overall meal. I, I like, for some reason, I... I indulge with movies where uh, women are allowed to talk and 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 to talk, you know, in an honest way, and they're away from guys, and, I, and that's what I, I I clung to with Death Proof, and I thought it was um, Tracy Tom's, I think that's her name. Um, she she was in the original cast of Rent on Broadway, and she hasn't really gotten great film roles. Tarantino wrote a great role for her in there. Um, I, I just really, really enjoy it. I, I'm, I'm not sure. I've never ranked Tarantino's movies to say which one I would think is is the worst. Uh, it's this is the least prominent for sure, but uh, it's, it stayed with me. I get what, what you're saying, at Dubray, with you know here was a chance for women to talk, you know, openly and vulgar, just like guys do, you know, in the sort of locker room talk. But after a while, it becomes like a little bit of an endurance test, and it would be the same for guys with me, you know. Um, Honestly, I think if they would have jettisoned the first act of Death Proof and just focused on the one group of women and like maybe one by one Russell picks it off, I think the movie would have flowed a lot better. Mm-hmm. And it didn't feel like no. a grindhouse movie yeah. to me. Now, have you noticed like the tie-ins between the two movies? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because in, in Planet Terror on the radio, there's this uh, the death of uh, Jungle Julia. Yeah. And, and so that's multiple. You're like... Oh, that's a character in the next movie, and yes. so we get a little bit of a hint because that's a benefit of that order. Right. We get some foreshadowing that okay, she's gonna die at the end. Of, if you're really, really paying attention, which yeah. to be fair, the first which time I'm a movie nerd movie. and I'll do that with that movie. I, but, but like the first time you watched the movie, did you pl- clock on the radio? Oh, I should no. make a note of it. No, I, but of I was, I was, I was clocking the double casting. I, and I had, yeah, I have nothing but love for de- uh, for Planet Terror. I think when Rodriguez does sort of almost like a gore fest, zombie fest is when I think he's in his wheelhouse. Uh, am I wrong to say that maybe From Dust Till Dawn might be his finest hour? I think Sin City's great, but when he's doing that like sort of over-the-top, goofy, uh, slimy kind of movie, mm-hmm. monster movie, is where I'm like... Because he would do the kids' movies, and then he would do this stuff, and yeah. it was very um, strange. And he's got his once It's no surprise to me that the two Rodriguez films that I visit the most are essentially slimy, gory, over-the-top yeah. monster movies in Dust Till Dawn and Planet Terror. Yeah, fair enough. All right, uh, my 22nd place might be another left-field choice. It's an Australian film, it's found footage, and it kind of gets under your skin. From 2008, from Joel Anderson, Lake Mungo. 
Oh. Uh, I want to put a special mention as well to a Canadian-British sort of hybrid made found footage movie called My Little Eye. I don't think enough people saw it because mm-hmm. so many people just fucking dismissed found footage. And it's pretty early. My Little Eyes from 2002, so it's pretty early in the, the realm. And uh, it, it's, you know, the toxic environment of the internet, and these people think they're in a reality show, but they start to doubt whether or not who's watching them and why, and if the legitimacy of it. It seems like it should have been made this year, but it was made in 2002, and it's underseen. So uh, shout out to My Little Eye, but Lake Mungo punches you right in the heart. It's a horror movie that punches you right in the heart. Lee is nodding in agreement. Um, And again, uh, the movie works enough just with you dealing with this family and the loss that they're dealing with. Their daughter drowned at Lake Mungo and Mm -hmm. trying to understand the circumstances of the death. And that itself, I think, would have made a movie. But it also slowly just creeps you out. It just closes its fist over you and drops more and more information and uh, you think it's going somewhere and then it goes another way and then and it almost abandons it. Okay, maybe we're not being supernatural. Maybe it's just grief. And then they just hit you again. Like, you're constantly being surprised by the movie and it's, it's a walk. It's not a run. It's an experiential, emotional movie and check out Lake Mungo. Uh, I'm going to say nothing else uh, but spoilers, we will be talking about this movie again. Okay. Have um, you seen and I've heard movie? you mention it, especially you, you talked about it on your found footage I did. special. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so it's been on my list, but I have not seen it. Uh, another, another one that I absolutely have to see, right? Highly Both of those, if you can do the found footage again. I, if, I, I can. Yeah. I have more problems with torture porn than I do with yeah. found footage. If you're one of those people that just won't watch found footage, well, then I guess neither of these movies will work for you. I'm not sure I'd be here if I can. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It has one of these, like, it has all the elements of a great found footage movie. It has one of the rarest elements where I like all of the characters. Yeah, yeah, there's no, like, where they aren't jerks. Yeah, they're you sad. Know. Yeah. I it, mean, we were talking about the others being sad, yeah, but. It is sad. But I don't want to say anything else because mm-hmm. we are going to talk about it again. All right, so uh, that was my 22 Lake Mungo. What's your 21, brother? 21. I, I had a film. I was overseas when I saw this, and I, the two films I saw that night really hit me, like, out of the park. And it also started this invasion of Asian horror that tended to truly sort of uh, marinate in this decade of horror. So I have Jew on the Grudge at 21. Oh, yeah. I understand why people don't like it. There's some problems with the narrative. It, it feels more episodic than a straight-through narrative. And it's a kind of horror <coughs> film where it asks more questions than answers them. Fair um, <laughs> which can be frustrating and infuriating to the viewer. Um, I like the rules of this universe of mm-hmm. our of our monster. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a really really creepy entity uh, that hunts down people once you become part of its universe. Well, that's sort of the thing, right? The yeah. rules of the universe is once you see the grudge, yeah. you're fucked. Yeah. 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 The end. Yeah. Yeah. Really. Um, <laughs> yeah. Pretty simple. There's some sequences in this movie that still haunt me when the security guard is watching the uh, recording of, of the person who gets lured yeah. into the hallway, and then like the eyes come up. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. There's something about Asian horror that they get mm-hmm. right. They how do to freak people out. Yeah. I Junji Ito. Ito is another comic book artist who like he does more page, but. Like it stays with you, and the Grudge stayed with me. The se- some of the sequels are awful. The remake, are, the American re- remakes, not so much as well. But I gotta give a shout out to Juan the Grudge. Yeah. I get once again why people don't like it. 
that has some narrative problems and it does ask more questions. But at the same time, I bought this ride, mm-hmm. Hook, Line, and Sinker. It was on my runner-up list. I really wanted to include it. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, all the stuff that you're mentioning is, is kind of negatives about it are yeah. the things I really enjoy about it. Yeah. I, I just like how it works. I, I don't like the American version. I really I do. do not like the American version See, at all. That was my problem because I think I saw the American version first. I did. And it kind of spoiled the meal a little bit for me. Yeah. I just yeah. didn't, I didn't get it. And, um, like... I have some Asian Extreme movies on the list. This would probably be an honorable mention. It's 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 no means a bad movie. It just doesn't work it for me in the same way it does for other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I have said in the past, you know, if David Lynch made a proper horror movie, this is probably what it would look or feel like, right? Mm-hmm. Because I, it, I, it doesn't follow... The, like, yeah, you like... Straight narrative. You're but like a... It's scary, and it's using the scares to at least tell some, a very slight story, but a story. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, respect for the choice. Yes, please. Yes. This is one I've watched a lot. I actually thought it was going to be higher, but then I did the thing is, is this scary and is it aging well or not? Uh, I actually show it in my creative writing class, if you can believe that. It's uh, Secret Window. Um, Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, I really like Johnny Depp in it. I like the novella. I like the source material. (laughs) And yeah, we talked about with Stir of Echoes and I mean, he's in quite a... You know, he, he can have some bad movies in there, but he also wrote Jurassic Park. I mean, he's, I think he's quite a talented filmmaker. And I, I, this is another one where it's the setting and the location, and, and it worked really, really well for me. Um, I, I like Stephen King's stuff that's set in kind of a lake community, and I like when he has pieces about writers. Uh, so um, maybe I need to give it another day in court. And, and I've shown it to students, and they're blown away. Like when yeah. when the, the plot twist happens, happens when the reveal happens, they're like, and and because I've watched it so many times, I'm like, how how did you not see this coming? Yeah. And I read I read them read it before I, I watched it, so I I knew uh, when I watched the movie originally. But I like how it leads into it, and how there are very subtle hints throughout. That, when the novella came out, it was sandwiched with like Langoliers was in the. Uh, oh, no, that's four past midnight. Yeah, Langoliers. So, but um, at the time, it seemed really fresh reading it. But by the time they got around to making the movie, these sort of gotcha endings were a thing. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was a Stephen King adaptation that had Johnny Depp, you know, uh, Maria Bello, Timothy uh, 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 Hutton. Hutton, and John Turturro. John Turturro is a and really like, over the top with that cast and with that shell of a story, and with me being such a fan of Stir of Echoes, who David Kep also yep. adapted. I got my hopes high, mm-hmm. and I think that might have hurt my enjoyment of the movie. And maybe it, my hopes were a little bit lower, right. so it overperformed for yeah. me. So, like, I'd give it another day in court. I, I, I just remember wanting, that was my sensation of the movie, is I just, I wish it was better than it was. <laughs> well, and I like Johnny Depp when he goes full-on dark. Mm-hmm. I mean, he always flirts with dark characters, but there's always some sort of, we, we kind of end up liking, loving him, or, you know, especially in the Tim Burton films, he's likable, even though he might be a quasi-villain. I like when he goes full-on dark, and, and the end of this thing is is not, he is, he is not likable the, Johnny Depp at all. He's getting to the point where he's starting, for me anyway, to confuse Quirk with character. Mm-hmm. But at that time when it was released, was that... The it, case. It, I mean, I mean, we again, we this was there was a lot of was this Johnny, a year after Pirates? I think it was I a year so. after Pirates. So there was, was a lot of Johnny Depp isms. He was still under under rated, I think, at that right. point, and then he became really 
big at that time. Do you have thoughts on Secret uh, Window? Secret Window, I, I thought was okay. Um, I kind of guessed the twists early on, so once again, it kind of became a waiting game for me, mm-hmm. where I, I stayed to the end of the movie thinking, well, was I right? Yes, I was right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sort of, I don't know, I, I think Stephen King has even done the twist, those twists before anyways. I could be wrong. Um, it, it Once again, the stakes were high for me because it's David Koep. I, I say David Koep. Kep, yeah. David Kep. Yeah. I, I always think it's Kep, but I, I, I no, don't know. No, you're probably sure. right. Yeah. Um, you know, hooked on phonics worked for me. <laughs> I'm basing that pronunciation on Steven Spielberg mentioning his name in yeah. the documentary about oh, Jurassic okay. Park. Oh, okay. He yeah. called him David Kep, so Kep. I... Yeah, okay. yeah. You know, Enough for Spielberg, right. enough for us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Once again, it's nothing like really wrong about the movie. Yeah. It, to me, it just sort of fell in the category of sort of really good Johnny Depp performance in a mediocre movie and that's where I kind of put Secret Window yeah in 21st place for me from 2006 one of my favorite indie horror directors Larry Fessenden made a movie called The Last Winter yeah I've heard you talk about this it's a really good suspenseful movie and uh, hopefully I know I'm going to be talking about Section 9 later hopefully you guys will too as well Uh, but uh it's that sort of oppressively psychological environmental movie, and it seeps into your bones. I don't think it's quite as good as Session 9, but by comparing it to it, it's putting it in good company mm-hmm. in my books. I really, really like The Last Winter. Slow burn, psychological destruction. This uh, oil company is doing this drilling. An environmental representative is there to see what the impact is and if they should stop. There's built-in tension between the characters and then everybody starts getting infected. If there's a better word for it or not, something is happening with the thaw, and it's affecting people. And the creepy thing about it is everybody's affected a little differently. So you just don't know how to deal with the situation. And uh, for me, it really works. It's a patient horror movie. It's not for everyone, but it's definitely for me. 21, Last Winter. So ends part one of our exploration of the Naughties, you guys. Part two shall be following next week. I hope you like what we're doing, and I hope you hang in there, uh, enjoying the best of the Naughties. As always, I'm your host and the Canadian Larry Parsons. Thank you so much for listening. Please send me feedback at rankinreview at gmail.com. That's R-A-N-K-N-R-E-V-I-E-W at gmail.com. Check out the website at rankandreview.ca. Please tell a friend about the podcast. That really helps my audience to grow. And uh, continue listening to Rank and Review.